coming up on episode 109 of Pixel Gaiden. We discuss some hot topics from last episode. Six good arcade sequels. The return of our game show. The guys talk about the new Zelda. Cody listens to more game books on tape. Tim's awesome hardware haul. Tim talks about his new mister. Cody talks about a pet robot. And Eric finally tries WrestleQuest. That's right, it is June 30th, and there are not just one, not two, but three bros from the Pixel Gaiden podcast this entire episode. Isn't that right, Tim? It is, correct, yes. We are all here, present and correct, for uh, the month of June. That includes the uh, the bombastic Cody Hoffman, the everyman <laughs> Eric Nelson. That's right. And the most polite man in the world, Tim Drew. <laughs> Is that what they said, Tim? Yeah. That, do I remember that correctly? I'm, yeah. I'm super sweet, apparently. <laughs> super sweet. There you go. He's like a he's like a Georgia sweet tea. This guy over here. And I hope we've got some beers that will knock your crooked eye straight today. <laughs> <laughs> That's another good one. I do. Uh, nonetheless, uh, welcome to Pixel Gaiden, episode 109. We've got an awesome show today. We've got a whole lot of Tim to make up for episode 108, in which there was zero Tims. You know, we we took a month away from Tim, and then you took another another episode away from Tim. <laughs> and now there's all these Tims. Tim, Tim, Tim. Uh, yeah, a whole lot of Tim. Uh, so we are going to uh, break down the show real quick, as we like to do. Start off with some quick questions. We're going to go ahead and uh, listen to that amazing Jimi Hendrix tune that we heard last time for our patrons. Um, we're going to have our game show, if I'm not mistaken. Hopefully one of us prepared a game show. Which one's that? <laughs> I didn't prepare a game show. Oh, maybe oh, we aren't. Well, are we not of course I did. No! Typical Zonk. Tim. Tim's back. <laughs> oh, Tim. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to go ahead and catch up and talk about what we've been doing. And we have a six good games segment. And Tim, you chose this one, didn't you? I did, and it's it's it was kind of a broad church, um, and it was games of 1984, which I thought was a very exciting year. So it gave us a lot of options. It did, and we'll talk about what we chose in about two hours. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, that being said, as we like to do when we start one of these shows, let's go ahead and jump right on into quick questions. And Mr. Eric, since you are the master of ceremonies when it comes to quick questions, do you happen to have those ready for us? Yep. The first one is from Pajaco6502, and he asks, I guess he fed some questions into ChatGPT3, and ChatGPT3 (laughs) asks, if you could be transported into any retro video game world and live there for a week, which game would you choose and why? Now... I will say that a few months ago, we had a similar question. It was many months ago. We did. 
And but it was if you could live in a live in a different video game world, which one would it be? But this one is if you could it, just be there for a week. I don't think if it was living in the world, I think it was if you could be in a game. Oh, okay. Because we were talking, like, our answers were something like, well, these games would be cool, but I don't want to actually get shot at and die multiple times. Right, right. This is the world, just the world, right? So you have to assume the world on most days is not filled with people shooting at you. Right. That's how I'm going to take it, personally. And live there for a week. So which game would you choose? Let's start with Tim. Come on. Cool. (laughs) Um, I really have no idea on this one. Um I also like how our our listeners ran out of ideas. First of all, we ran out of ideas, so our listeners started providing them, and then they ran out, and they're like, you know what? Let's reach out. For some creativity, let's just have AI do it for us. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's what most, <laughs> most people are living on these days. Every, every, AI is doing jobs for everyone. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, if you know. can't, if you want some time to think, we could, we could... We we could answer and then come Go back then. to you if you want. Yeah. Come, Eric come sounds ready on that one. Yeah, yeah, because I thought about this because I, I I think last time I answered Far Cry Three just because the world was so detailed and beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, and I liked it, but I think I'm gonna if I'm just gonna be there a week, I'm gonna change my answer to No Man's Sky. I'm gonna jump in a spaceship and Ooh. explore strange new worlds. Um, I like it. I like it. Because, I mean, if it's a week, so I'll just visit two or three planets, collect some resources. Check out the natural flora and fauna. Exactly. And then uh, <laughs> jump back in there and head back home and be in time for dinner. Nice. <laughs> Which would be like a three-eyed elk or pink elk or whatever you find on those other, other... That's a game I need to get into now that it's on Xbox Gold and it's been updated to the point where people love it now yeah because it, when it first came out it was like they didn't deliver anything they promised and but the, I, i'll give a credit i'll give them credit they just sit there they put their heads down they did they did the work and they now it's a very highly regarded game and uh i have it but i just don't sp- i can't spend that much time in a game and still do the show and do the research for the show but it looks but amazing you would spend an entire week on it oh yeah <laughs> in real life exactly so what you know, about honestly, you cody I, mine's a generic answer to a point i'm not going to be able to pick a pick i mean almost any game really that is like an early 90s or early 16-bit um japanese rpg so One it's like ones so you're gonna pick leisure leisure suit larry <laughs> that's a point and click completely different <laughs> um no, like, so it, So naturally, I'm going to wake up in a little wooden house in my bed. That's where the game starts. You always wake up in your bed. You have, like, your mom waking you up because it's time for breakfast or something. And you go outside, and you have this happy little community, and you go around and meet everybody, and there's, like, a little fishing hole in the middle, and you fish. I'll just live there. It'll be like the good old days. I just don't want to go to the point where all of a sudden everybody's missing and the only person left in my town is my pig and I have to like talk to my pig about where everyone went and he says oink, oink, oink. And somehow that means there's an evil devil that came and took everybody. I just want to live in the world. You know? There's like seven houses. One of them's an inn that somehow survives even though the only people in the town are seven houses worth of people. And they're serving, fish and hole. And they're serving Cody Mead. <laughs> Oh, and they're going to have mead, so you know. So I'm happy. What about you, Tim? Well, my, mine's something similar. I think probably I would want to spend um, some time in High Rule, where I've been mostly. All right. All right. <laughs> Since you're there, anyways. <laughs> um, yes, and um, in uh, 
some of the some of the villages and stables around Hyrule. I think they're they're quite cool places to hang out. And of course, we're talking about the world of uh, Legend the of Zelda. Legend of Zelda lore. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, for sure. I thought you might pick Animal Crossing. No, no. Been there too much. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to live on a very tiny plot of land that grows vegetables, but you have to keep paying some guy rent, even though. He acts nice, but he's just a slumlord is all he is. Exactly. <laughs> Tom Nook. Yeah. All right, Eric, what else do we have here? Question four, again, from Pajaco6502. Thank you, Pajaco, for giving us these questions. If you could have a pet or sidekick, robots are allowed, from a video game, which one would you choose? I'll go first on this because I feel like Pajaco was leaning me into this one. Yeah. Pet or sidekick and robots are allowed. My choice is all three of these things. And it is going to be Rush from Mega Man. He's a dog. Yeah. He's a robot. And he's your sidekick. And he's turning into springs when you need to jump up to something. He turns into like a jet when you need to like go across large gorges, large chasms. He turns into a submarine if you need to go underwater. Yeah. And he's just like a good buddy you could put. You can pet your buddy and he'd hop on you and lick you lick your face when you get home from work. All the above. Perfect sidekick, perfect pet. And he's a friggin' robot. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Mic drop. What about you, Tim? What do you got? Uh, uh, it's it's probably a bit of a random one, but one of the most useful characters I've found that's kind of like a sidekick or something like that is the cat from Whizball. I thought about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I <laughs> um, love it. And uh, yeah, that that's always been one that kind of like sticks in my mind because without that in the game, you can't really get anywhere. You've got to have the cat in Whizball. Um, so yeah, final answer, the cat from Whizball. Nice. <laughs> so I, at love first it. I thought, okay, I'm going to pick something that's not bad to look at all day long. So I was going to pick Cortana uh, okay. from Halo because she's a hot holographic chick. But then I was like, Is well, she a pet? I'm married. I guess she's a sidekick. I mean, I'm still married. So I'm going to... Um, Holograms don't count, Eric. Yeah, they do. My wife <laughs> okay, would disagree. Okay. My wife okay, disagrees. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I'm going to pick well. Claptrap from Borderlands because he's always going out and getting the great <laughs> weapons. Oh, and he's hilarious. Right? So he goes out, he finds the hey, great weapons, brings it back to me. He gives me <laughs> missions to go on. Um, some of them are stupid missions, but I'll, but whatever. He keeps me entertained. So I'm going to pick Claptrap. He's going to go out and blow himself up. And you just got to fix him all the time. That's, that's right. That's kind of part of it, you know? Yep. Nothing wrong with that. So that's my choice. And Tim, you were just talking about the Commodore 64. So I think it's only fitting... If you tell everybody about our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Yes, our wonderful, wonderful sponsor, RetroRewind. Um, they offer many, many Commodore 64 and other Commodore stuff. Um, so you can, Other Commodores? Other Commodores, like the Commodore I didn't know one. there were other Commodores. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> there are many Commodores. There are all the Commodores. So you can have um, cartridges for the Commodore 64. 
Uh, they do the dead test cartridge. Uh, they do a 64 diagnostic cartridge. And of course, the amazing Kung Fu Flash, which is uh, one of the ones I use with my C64 all the time. Um, not sure. only do Retro Rewind do amazing Commodore uh, uh, accessories, but if you want to get your C64 uh, back to rude health. Um, Frank and the guys over there, they have a recapping service. So not only for the Commodore 64, but also for your Amigas. Um, and I'm sure they probably do it for the Tandy Coco as well. They do all the Coco stuff. Um, if your C64 is uh, a little bit um, wonky and not quite working right, uh, there's uh, things like the Commodore 8-bit keyboard tester. Um, and if you're into BBSs, um, much like Eric is, and also myself to a degree, um, there is a C64 and a Commodore 128 Wi-Fi modem, so you can get yourself on bulletin boards. The Commodore 64 on the net? Oh, yeah. My mind is blown. <laughs> and not only that, not only are these prices amazing to start off with, but... But what, Tim? But you can also get you can also get ten percent off by using the code PG ten on the Retro Rewind website. But you must log in and create an account to get the extra ten percent off using the code PG ten at checkout. There we go. Thank you so much to our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Once again, log in and use that code PG ten. Pixel Guide in 10. See what we did there? Ooh. At checkup to save 10% off your entire order and uh, fill up on all your Commodore and Tandy Coco needs. Thank you once again to our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at Oddball, which is at O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com and we'd love any feedback and also please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show we also have a patreon account set up so if you wish to support the show financially you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden you can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars if you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every 
supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month, move on over, Rover, because we're letting Jimmy take over. The perfect Matthew Ackerman And the upbeat Daniel James Righteous 10-minute Amiga Retrocast The diplomatic Eric Sandgren Lean My chase is now ski Yeah, yeah Crazy Paradoy, the orderly Mitsuyama, Captain David Vincent, and the steady and stiller, modest Jason Holland, and the cheesy Mr. Toad, small Paul Jacobson, the British rap, okay, Rom, okay, yeah. They'll talk for hours and hours and hours And it's sure to entertain The saucy Brian Arsenault The fuzzy David Cavalieri And with Adam from Commodore Chronicles and the cruel Mark Richardson Revolting David Rodelak Rum, rum, Scott Harlow Hot-headed Henrik Lobo Impatient Roy Gilding And the popular Josh Malone Hey guys, how about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right, it's Tea Time with Tim. Welcome to this month's Tea Time with Tim. Hello everyone, and I'm back. Yes, I'm back from my short hiatus last month, uh, mainly due to family reasons. On this episode of Tea Time with Tim, we're going to be talking all about the Mister. In fact, more accurately, I guess, the DE10 Nano, which is actually the beating heart of the Mister system. First up, let's go into a bit of backstory as to why I find myself only now entering the wonderful world of Mr. and being incredibly late to the party. As with a lot of you probably listening to this podcast, I've got a lot of real hardware, consoles and computers. I'm very lucky. I've had a lot of ways to run old and new retro stuff on original hardware. 
But there comes to a point when having all this stuff means you have to have somewhere to put it and also to get it out and use it. Recently on the show, we've been covering a lot of arcade and console stuff. Now, this is great, but I find myself somewhat limited to what I can run the console stuff on. Unlike Eric and Cody, I don't have an EverDrive for everything and I don't have a dedicated bar top main thing as they have. So when I'm trying games for the podcast, I'm always tearing down systems, setting up another, etc. Now, I love the real hardware experience, but at times, especially now, as time is at a premium, and I always hear Eric going on about running games on the Steam Deck or on the Mister. Yes, there are things like the Pi that will run most things, but this is still kind of emulation, and I do like the real hardware. I think the Mister kind of sits in between those with the FPGA recreations of the hardware. And it's getting closer uh, to how more of a real experience. And now it's kind of a more mature platform as well. So I decided it was time to take the plunge. Back in March, I ordered a DE10 Nano with a company called Mouser. They promised delivery in late April. These devices have been in short supply and the price has gone up a whole bunch since COVID and all the issues with the chip market. So late April came, me checking Mouser's website. It's now pushed back till early May. Great. OK, not good, but yeah, there we go. Early May came, still no DE10 Nano. Check the website and oh, now it's June a few a, a few days later. Oh, and now it's October. What the heck? So with delay after delay, I'm feeling uh, really dejected about the whole thing. And I just accept the delay and move on. Until steps in the wonderful and amazing human being that is Josh Malone at 48k RAM. Now he knew that I was ordering and looking out for a DE10 and he got a tip off that DigiKey, another company, had free stock and I should go order one. Now at the time of this I was thousands of miles from home on vacation. Uh, I checked stock and they had about 50 left. So I was thinking okay well maybe I'll wait till I get home. So I waited till the following day and we were just about to leave for the airport and I see stock had almost gone already. So while we were waiting for our transfer from the hotel to the airport, I jumped on my laptop and ordered one. Now this left me with a situation I was not prepared for. I was going to be getting something for the D10 that would solve a lot of the issues that I'm facing, but I didn't have this item as yet. DigiKey was so efficient that the day after I got home from holiday, the D10 arrived. So thanks to their quick service, I had a DE10, but nothing else to go with it. With all that being said, when I finally got a bit of free time, I looked at getting the basics at least set up. Surely the bare bones setup to play a few basic cores would be simple, right? So let me just say uh, right off the bat, I used a guide from Rob from the awesome Retro RGB website uh, and his YouTube channel. Um, to get everything set up so go and give him a, a sub on youtube he's at retro rgb 
The setup roughly goes that you need to install the Mr. Fusion software, um, and that's basically an SD image, an image that goes on your SD card that allows you to essentially give you the Mr. functionality. Um, so you need to get that onto an SD card, pop that into your DE10 Nano, uh, boot that up, let that install, and then there's a few other bits and pieces that you need to do along the way. So I'll just give you a quick rundown of what I did. First up is to get the Mr. Fusion image. This is the SD image you will need for the DE10 Nano to function as a Mr. You just need to do a quick search for Mr. Fusion and you will find the GitHub site from Michael Schmitty. Download the latest release from the site and as of making this, it's on version 2.7. Once you download that, open up the zip file and copy out the .img file. On the one I downloaded, it was called Mr. Fusion V 2.7 IMG, I think. So once I downloaded that, um, I needed to get this image onto an SD card. So the best way I found for um, SD imaging um, is a little program called Rufus. Um, and if you just do a quick search for that, you can uh, download that program and install it. Um, then all you need to do once you've got Rufus going is put your SD card in. Make sure that's a blank SD card or um, you've got. Uh, got a backup of it or basically any of the stuff on there you don't want because it will wipe the SD card clean um, and then pop the image file on there. Um, so yeah, like I say, I did that with a program called Rufus. So once I got this all sorted, all I did is was uh, connect up the DE10, um, popped in the power adapter um, and connected up an HDMI cable to a monitor. And that's literally all you need um, to get it, get it started. Um, so then you just pop the SD card into the SD card slot, power it on, and uh, you get a message come up on the screen within a few seconds of booting to showing that it's installing the Mr. Software. Uh, once that completes, you'll get a change of screen and it will look like the old style um, snow or analog TV interference style background uh, with the Mr. Menu just showing no files. So at that point, you think, well, I've got that set up. What do I need to do now? How do I get cores and all those sort of things on there? Well, there's one really cool thing called the update all script. Um, and again, um, the retro RGB video tells you how to get this and just how to install it. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, there's a uh, another GitHub that you can do for searching for the update or uh, Mr. Script. Um, once you've got the latest script, you just need to pop that um, on your SD card um, that you uh, want to take back out of your DE10 Nano, uh, pop that back into your computer. And then on the root of the drive, there's a scripts folder um, on the uh, SD card, root of the SD card, sorry, not on the drive. And just pop that update all script into the scripts folder um, and then eject the card and then pop that back into your DE10 Nano. Uh, then go into the menus, um, into scripts, and then run the update all script. Now, with that being said, let me just jump back a little bit here. When I said I ran the script, now that took me actually a little while to get to that point because when I was actually looking at the DE10 Nano and trying to find where I can plug in a keyboard to get all this done to run the script, 
The D10 does not have a standard USB port. Yes, that's right. Not a single one. It has one micro USB port for connections. Now, being a man who rarely ever throws any cables and adapters out because you just never know when you might run into a situation like this where you need the most random of things like a micro USB to a USB adapter. Did I have one? Heck no. So onto Amazon I go and order up a micro USB hub. The one I managed to get was a Suyama OTG adapter. Whilst I was there, I ordered up a really tiny one of the small Bluetooth dongles. I'm not worried about Wi-Fi as I can easily connect it up to the network port. Yes, it has one of those. But I would recommend that if you're looking to get one and you need Wi-Fi, it's not built in. So get a Bluetooth and a Wi-Fi dongle all in one. Just as a disclaimer, yes, I know there are tons of other devices out there like a dedicated USB board, analog board, etc. But the reason why I'm trying to keep this minimal at the moment will become apparent in the near future. So at this point, I'm waiting 24 hours and finally the USB port arrives. So I get my USB hub connected and plug into the keyboard and I'm off to the races. I can run the script. So I ran the update all script as Bob in the retro RGB video advised. Um, he advises to leave it for a long time or maybe even just do it overnight for the first time you run it. It's meant to take a while as it will download all the arcade core files and associated ROMs to go with it. So I step away for a couple of hours, come back to it and the mister has restarted as it should have done after the updates all script has run. Awesome, I'm ready to go. I know my options are limited without extra RAM to play about with, but there could be a few cores I could run. Eager to try the system, I return to see the mister has duly restarted itself and presents the menu with the folder structure for arcade, computer and the other cores. Knowing that from the video I watched, there was no need to supply ROMs for the arcade cores and I should just be good to play the arcade cores without any RAM upgrades. So with that being said, uh, for this month's six good games, I'm covering a game called Sun Sun by Capcom. Lo and behold, the mister had me covered on this with a core for the game. Now, based on just watching the video and picking up a few things along the way, I should be good to go with this. So I tried to run the core. The screen goes black, I get some colours on the screen, and then a report of a missing file. Hmm, this is confusing. I should not have anything missing. The update or all script should have taken care of this for me. After some cursing and throwing of joypads, I go back to the video. I check all the steps. Yep, that looks good. I check the file structure on the SD card. That also looks good. But one thing that seems odd where are all the actual ROM files? They were not in a main folder or anything like that. So I looked for the update all script on GitHub. I read through the main page and I see arcade ROMs disabled by default. Hang on a minute. I didn't see any mention of this option in the videos that I watched on this about changing the default settings. So it turns out that to get update all to download all the arcade cores, you need to enable this option rather than disable it, which it's done by default. 
So I run up the options for the script and enable some of the options by running the custom settings when the update all script starts. Now I can see it pulling in the files and it's taking much longer. What a rookie mistake. As this is taking a long time, I decide to leave it to run overnight. The next morning, I'm up early and excited to try it out. I check the mister and it's updated and looks a lot better. I pick a random ROM, Bombjack, and that works first time. Sweet! So now let's try SunSun and see if it does the same. But this time it doesn't report a missing file, but still doesn't work properly. Um, and I remembered that I left the main ROM in one of the folders, so I take that out. I try again, and still nothing. So this is not a big taxing game, and I seem to get the impression that you can run all the arcade cores with no upgrades. By now, I'm super frustrated with how things are going so far. It's not been an easy path. Time for some coffee. After a quick cup of joe, I go back to trusting my instincts and look around on Google to see what the limitations are. Sure enough, I see there are even some for the arcade cores. In fact, a majority of them require at least 32 meg of RAM. Urgh! But at least my instincts were right and I knew something was not adding up here. So back on Google I go and I find the website mrfpga.co.uk. So they are offering 32 meg and 128 meg expansions, plus a nice clear plexiglass cover, a heatsink and fan to go with it. So that's ordered. It was a public holiday here the next day in England, so nothing gets shipped then. But I pay for extra quick delivery and 48 hours after ordering, the RAM and fan turns up. After checking the website again for install instructions, making sure I have the RAM incorrect, as getting this wrong can lead to damage to the DE10 and to the RAM. Also making sure that I have the fan connection right, it appears to go onto pins 11 and 12 on GPIO header 1 if you're planning to do that. There is also um, labels for this on the board of the DE10. Whilst I've been waiting, I've been using uh, my Raspberry Pi 400 to load up Sun Sun, and that's been working just fine. Uh, but now I start it all up after checking everything is working okay, and Sun Sun is working just fine. So I was able to play that for my six for the six good games on the Mister eventually. So just to test it out a little bit more, there's a uh, games folder on the root of the SD card that you use to set up your uh, DE10 and Mr. software with. Um, and in there, you've got uh, Super Nintendo, Mega Drive and all the other bits and pieces. So I've just bunged a few ROMs for the snares and Mega Drive in there and they all come up working OK. Now I'm running out of time to get this episode of Tea Time with Tim in the can before recording. So I've had to cut this short and I have a few more things turning up to level up my Mr. setup that I will follow up with you next month. So the moral of the story is if you're going to get a Mr. be prepared. Watch some videos, read up, get all the kit before. Don't be like me and try to wing it. The path, that path just leads to frustration. Get the DE10 Nano, a good size SD card, at least 64 preferably 128 and 128 meg ram upgrade 
a heatsink, fan, micro USB adapter, and a Bluetooth or a Wi-Fi Bluetooth dongle, and all things will go much smoother than my introduction to the Mister. I was hoping in this episode I would be extolling the virtues and the ease of use of the system, but really, I think it probably is, it's mainly just me. That would be mostly true if you don't be like Tim and make life hard for yourself. That's it until next month. I will update you with all my ongoing Mr. shenanigans. Please do feel free to send me some comments. And also, if you have any recommendations for what I should do next with the Mr. for for me, that would be ace. You can get me on the show email address, and that's podcast at pixelguiden.com. And if you're one of our wonderful patrons at the $3 or more tier, you can get us on Discord as part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. And I'm often hanging around on there. Or I'm on Mastodon. And you can get me there on at sanction at oldbytes.space. So that's it for this month. Until next time. It's beautiful. Eric and Tim, it's time for a game show. Tim, uh, what's it this called? This time we have um, the Gamepad Game Show. That is intense. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not, wow. but the music will help make it sound <laughs> more intense. <laughs> Bring the energy to the Gamepad Game Show, why don't you? <laughs> I am ready to lose this. <laughs> Let's test our Gamepad knowledge. I'm excited. All right. Okay, in this game show, you have to give me the correct direction relating to the answer to the questions to see if you've controlled your player right and save the day. Or did you give us a bum steer and end up with a game over? I have no idea what just happened there. <laughs> me either. All right. It's simple. It's simple. It's multiple choice. Okay. But instead uh, of A, B, C, D, E, whatever, you just pick a direction. All right, okay. I can live with that. I can live with that. Okay. I like the creativity. I just got scared. First up, round one. It's all about the D-pad. So are you ready, guys? So I'm ready. ready. So essentially, you've just got to give me your direction relating to the answer. Okay? okay. So first up, name the company who created and programmed the game's Lemmings for the Amiga is it so direction up team 17 direction down on the d-pad microprose steering to the left dma designs or to the right us gold so is it up team 17 down microprose left dma designs or to the right us gold got my answer I've got my answer. Okay, let's go. I'm pressing I'm gonna left. Say up. I'm going to say up. Team 17. Eric, I'm afraid you steered in the wrong direction and you died a fiery death. <laughs> Cody, you are a, a skillful player and moved to the left and got the correct answer. It is <laughs> DMA Designs. Nice. nice. Right when I said it, I was like, wait a minute, that's not it. <laughs> I that other that's kind of... I'm glad has- it was... Yeah, I'm glad it was multiple choice because I knew it wasn't the other three, but I wouldn't have known it was DMA design. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Cody's okay. ahead. Cody's ahead. 
Question two. What was the last licensed game to be released for the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1995? Was it Up, Mega Man 6, Down, The Lion King, Left, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters, or Right, Mr. Gimmick? So that's Up, Mega Man 6, down the Lion King, left Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever, and right Mr. Gimmick. Come on, ready? Sure? I'm ready. Okay. I actually wrote the name of the game before you said them, just to prove how much I knew Mr. Gimmick was the correct answer. I pressed right. Same okay. here. Right, Mr. Gimmick. Nice. Uh, you are both wrong. Oh, what? what? You both chose the wrong direction, I'm afraid, and you both died a heinous death. I'm, I'm checking your facts. The correct answer is The Lion King. Hmm. All right. On the NES. <laughs> yeah, I thought as well it was Mr. Gimmick, but apparently uh, it is Lion King. I am okay. not familiar with The Lion King on the NES. Now I'm really mm-hmm. curious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll leave that one open to uh, question mark. Maybe it was me not doing my research right, but that's, no, that's what it came up as. No, you're probably right. Yeah, you okay. might be right. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> question three. What was the name of the hovercraft-like ship the player controlled in the Lucasfilm classic game Ballblazer? Oh, was it... Up, Sea Links, Down, Tri Fighter, Left, Rotofoil, or Right, Plasma Fighter. Can you repeat that one more time? I can indeed. Is it Up, Sea Links, Down, Tri Fighter, Left, Rotofoil, or Right, Plasma Fighter? Got my answer. This is a total guess. Same here. I went up. I'm going to say, I went down a tri-fighter. Ceiling sounds so unassuming that it's probably right. That's what I'm going with up. Ceiling is um, a a brand of ferry here in the UK. A a brand of what? A ferry, sea ferries, but they also did hovercrafts as well. So that's where that came from. (laughs) A a ferry? Okay. So... uh, Cody, what the hell you, is a sea ferry? Um, it's well, it's a, a, a big ship, big boat that you take people on and go go across oh, islands. Ferry, ferry okay. yes. I thought you meant like Not a, a fairy, like mystical, like creature like that grants you a wishes. A blue Tinkerbell who's kind of exactly. sassy. Guys. I was like, you got those in the UK, <laughs> you, you, man. Guys, I need to visit. Guys, That's crazy. You, they speak they, English, not American, you guys. They, they, uh, <laughs> they, they come from a Stonehenge at night and spread out to the ocean sea, seashores. <laughs> right, come on. What was your answers again? I had uh, uh, I had Sea Links. I had D Tri Fighter. Okay, you both. I'm afraid have slipped off the platform and fallen to a fiery death. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> another fiery death. <laughs> uh, the correct answer was left rotofoil. See, this is cooler. <laughs> okay, last question in this round. Pokemon Snap 
was released in 1999 in Japan and then in 2000 in the rest of the world. Choose the direction to tell me which of these was not true about the game. Okay? Are we ready? Up, the main character is called Todd Snap. So what is not true about the game? Down, it sold 1.5 million copies of the car in the first year. Left, you could take your cart to Blockbuster and have the photos you took for in the game developed. And right, it was a release title for the ill-fated N64DD. So I'll go those again. Nope, Up. I'm, at, I'm ready. The main character is called Todd Snap. Down, it sold 1.5 million copies. Uh, left, you could take your cart to Blockbuster and have the game and the photos developed from the game. And right, it was a title for the ill-fated N64DD. I'm ready. Okay. I piked left Blockbuster. I did as well. Thing of I don't see them having that kind of infrastructure at Blockbuster. Well, sorry, guys. What? <laughs> it's the Todd Snap one, isn't it? You, you, you jumped on top of a toadstool, and I'm afraid he bounced you off, and you fell I to a fiery death. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Blockbuster's out of business. <laughs> that is correct, actually. That you, you could take your car, apparently, to Blockbusters and get the photo developed. That's it crazy! Was, it was crazy stuff. Um, it was actually um, the release... T- it wasn't a release title, because it was going to be for the N64DD, and they cancelled it. It only came out on cartridge well now we know so the score after the first round is one zip to cody yay something <laughs> go pixel guide in you know that's a victory okay. for all of us <laughs> uh the second and uh, thankfully final round <laughs> <laughs> is button panic so in other words instead of the the d-pad we're now using buttons <laughs> All right. Okay. Which fire-themed robot master was in Mega Man 2? Mm-hmm. Is it Button X, Torchman, Square, Flame Man, Triangle, Heat Man, or Circle, Fireman? So that's X, Torchman, Square, Flame Man, Triangle, Heat Man and Circle Fireman. I have no idea. But I'm going to say Square Flame Man. That's actually exactly what I just forgot it was Square, but I wrote Flame Man as well. Okay. Uh, you guided your lemmings, and I'm afraid <laughs> you didn't use a blocker at the right point, and you fell to a fiery death. No, not Flame Man. The correct like answer torch. is Heat Man Triangle. Heat, heat Man. Wow. All right. Mega Man 2. I know I, I can see the guy. I've, I've played him, but forgot his name was not... Yeah. Okay. Heat Man. So, okay. so not Sea Fairy. Right. No. <laughs> I see Fairy. <laughs> okay. Uh, question two in round two. Can you pick out the only table from the Pro Pinball series that did make it to the Sega Saturn? 
Pro Pinball Series made it to the Sega Saturn. Okay. Okay. So we have green, the web, red, time shock, yellow, fantasy journey, and blue, big race USA. Yeah, I'm going to need you to repeat those. So green, the web, red, time shock, yellow, fantasy journey, or blue, big race USA. So the web, time shock, fantasy journey, fantasy, fantastic journey, sorry, uh, and big race USA. Woof. I forgot the buttons already, but I know the game. <laughs> I I'm going to do the game, but I chose the game. Okay. I'm going to do Time Shock Red. Gosh darn it, Eric. What? I chose Time Shock Red as well. Yes, and you managed to jump, but <laughs> you hit your head on the ceiling and you fell to a fiery death. Both Tell me you. it wasn't fantasy the correct, journey. The correct answer is green, the web. The web. Okay. You know, that was a weird a time of- when they picked really name, weird named games, and they're like, this will sell. Like a <laughs> pinball machine called The Web. That's what you're going to think of. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird okay. time. So, next question. What is the name of the motorcycle-themed game on the ZX Spectrum by Microsphere in which you must chase down the Ghost Rider while avoiding... Bouncing hedgehogs, icy roads, and jumping over buses. Oh, that game. What? Can you repeat that? Yep. (laughs) So, what is the name of the motorcycle-themed game on the ZX Spectrum by Microsphere in which you must chase down the Ghost Rider while avoiding the bouncing hedgehogs, icy roads, and jumping over buses? Is it button Y, Easy Rider, button X... Full throttle, button A, supercycle, and button B, wheelie. Well, I already wrote a name down. It wasn't one of those four. <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only, the only motorcycle game I remember on ZX Spectrum was like, what was that? Death, death something. I was thinking Kickstart. Isn't death that a cycle. Game? <laughs> Kickstart was going to be an answer in this one, but well, that's probably well, I would have you then. in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote down an answer, but I don't know what it is. Okay, is it Y, Easy Rider, X, Full Throttle, A, Supercycle, and B, Wheelie? And this was covered by the Amigos. So I'm expecting Aaron to know this one. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) I I picked X, Full Throttle. Oh, I'm I'm picking button A, that one. I think it's Supercycle, I think is what you said. Supercycle, A, Supercycle. Yeah, okay, so you were driving down the road. <laughs> Both of us? <laughs> Both, of us? Just me. Both of you, you were driving down the road. Uh, you pressed your individual buttons, and I'm afraid you both fell off and went to the side of the road and fell into a fiery death. Um, it was actually B, Wheelie. Wheelie! Wheelie, yes. Wheelie, Classic I don't believe game. you. Yep, it's true. I still okay. choose Kickstart. 
the last question, thankfully, in this particular quiz. Eric, you can still tie it up. It's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to work really hard to do so. Just the Please law of averages. Up. We're actually beating the game because it, like, we should, it should be at least like two to two at this point. <laughs> right. I, do have a tie, I do have a tie break question, so come on, Eric. All right. Okay. <laughs> Which of these classic Atari 2600 games did not get a port to the Apple II? Huh. Uh, button A, Miss Pac-Man. Button B, River Raid. Button X, Moon Patrol. And button Y, Ghostbusters. So is it A, Miss Pac-Man. B, River Raid. X, Moon Patrol. Y, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters! I have, I have my answer. I have my answer. I'm okay. going. I'm going with A, Mrs. Pac-Man, because you'd you'd think that's got to have been translated over, but they probably didn't, and that's why you chose it, Tim. Fiery Death I didn't. avoided. I did River Raid B. B, you say? That's Eric. right. B, you have just tied it up. You Whoa. press button B, and you successfully avoided the monster, and therefore avoiding the fiery death that Cody found himself in. <laughs> <laughs> nice, tied it up. And the answer Tied to the tiebreaker is Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it was wannabe. <laughs> but tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Uh, yes. Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Apart, so this is the tiebreak question. Apart from the USA and Japan, what is the next biggest selling region for boxed retail-only copies of The Legend of Zelda The Tears of the Kingdom in the first week. So, who sold, apart from the UK, USA and Japan, what country sold the most? So, the is it France, Spain, or the UK? I'm going to say... I'm, I'm going to wait I'm for writing it down, yeah. All right. I picked mine, Eric. <clears throat> okay. I'm going to say the UK. I'm going to no. go with, I'm going to go with Spain because it's Well, let me explain myself. It sounds like I'm wrong, but Go on. Go on. The UK should be the obvious answer because there's a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And it's western and it should be the thing. Spain mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, so I picked that. But the French, they're like, "Oh, we like our own games." We're not gonna, we're not gonna buy some Japanese game, you know, because that's their whole thing is like self sufficiency. Right. So I was going with Spain. And those guys in the UK, they got a few coins to rub together. So I think they could, <laughs> I think they could afford to buy Tears of the Kingdom. I would say a few euros, but mm, not anymore. Haven't you heard of the financial crisis we're going through here in the UK? Haven't you heard of the thing called Brexit? <laughs> we don't have two pennies to rub together at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so did we just finish in a tie? Uh, yes, because the answer was France. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. All right. Spice uh, Girls. Uh, I win. No. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> All right. That's well, it. thank you, well Mr. Done, Tim. No, it was not well done. Don't, don't, don't give us that. <laughs> in the great tradition, in the great tradition of England, it's nil. We're, we're tied <laughs> nil. up at nil. It's a good nil, nil, nil point. A good footy <laughs> match, one to one. Heckling. Yay! So exciting. (laughs) We drew. We are the same. We are equal. None of us win. Yay! (laughs) 
And and Eric, you know why we didn't do very well in that? Why is that? Because we're all tense. We haven't had a beer yet. That's true. We're like an hour into the That's episode. True. We have not had a beer yet. So let's crack them open because we got them. And I'm having the same two beers I had uh, yesterday. I mean, on the 15th. Are you really? Yeah, I don't have anything else. That's what I got. So Tim, you get you get to enjoy what I'm what I'm drinking here. This will be no surprise to people who already listen. So I'm going to start with yet another Coors Light and finish the night strong with an old Milwaukee non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Delicious. I'm going. I have a new one, so I'm going to yes. I'm gonna tell us about it. Explain here. This one is from a brewery called Shadow Puppet Brewing Company. Ooh. out of livermore california right. so it's just down the freeway here um it is called coconati it is a coconut porter coconut got porter. a little skull no, in there. i can see, see how that yeah. works it, it's throwing me for a loop though because it's got an orange can so i feel like it's going to be fruity but a fruity porter would be gross yeah, yeah. and the, the, i think the light's playing a little trick it's almost like copper oh, okay mm. all right copper colored um but the description is toasted Coconut complements the rich chocolate and espresso notes from the dark roasted malts. It is 8.1. Like I need that right now. (laughs) Um, After the, the game show where I scored very little, that is a welcome percentage. Well, I'm actually going with a beer this time because it's, what? Nice. it's, it's early, but it's actually a Saturday for me. <laughs> it's a breakfast beer. It's a breakfast beer. So recently I went to the island of Zakynthos, which is a Greek island. Sounds good. And, and I brought back um, a couple of local beers. Now, nice. one, one of them I kind of like was really keen to um, try and I brought it back. And then we went to one of the supermarkets, local supermarkets here. And guess what I saw on the shelf? <laughs> that beer. I brought this beer all the way back from <laughs> from Zakynthos, and it was on the shelf. So that was a, a can of myth, Mythos or Mythos. But this one is a proper Greek beer because I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, it's gonna... just A. <laughs> it's like, wow. It's A, A with no line across it, a zero with a vertical line, and another A. So, oh. <laughs> so i'm drinking perfect it's uh, green so and red a, this is a greek beer it was one euro per can so this stuff is so gonna know be it's like good. mega yeah. basic um but it's it's cold and it's beer so i'm gonna so is it. this coors light gentlemen and i say to you are you pouring that thing tim i'll wait for you to I pour am. i'll wait for you to pour Ooh, oh frothy it's cold um, it sounds delicious, refreshing. cold, <laughs> and possibly refreshing. <laughs> Is it Cheers, cold? guys? That, that's right. Do you guys even refrigerate your beers over there on the Wichita? Oh you guys yeah, do? That, this this will have to be super chilled. This <laughs> this one has sure. to be. <laughs> All right. Cheers, my friends. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Yep, tastes like Coors Light. Yep, the Rockies are cold with this one. Mine probably tastes like Coors Light as well. <laughs> yep, Ooh, America's man. coldest tasting beer. Oh dear, Eric. <laughs> Let's um. <clears throat> you ever go to the beach? Let's and um, so you get a little bit of the go to the you, beach. <laughs> you ever go to the beach and you get a little bit of the suntan lotion in your mouth? Oh no! <laughs> Is it sandy as well? It, it it. I'm not a big fan of coconut, but I've had great beers that have coconut like like subtle coconut flavors. This isn't subtle. This, this is, is suntan lotion beer. This tastes like suntan lotion, and it's very, very sweet and very strong. It's not 
Oh, well, I'm not going to judge you, Eric, if you can't finish that and you decide to instead just swab your whole body in it to get a little color. Exactly. SPF 30. <laughs> lather, lather up in that porter. <laughs> we might have I wish do- I had that old Milwaukee right about now. <laughs> yeah. Tim, you're going to have to learn about this old Milwaukee non-alcoholic by listening to episode 108, my friend. 108. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Eric, I think uh, you, you and Tim have to give, our, give, give us a rating here. So, if yeah. I can pick um, out of, uh, out of SP, a possible SPF of 50... <laughs> Yeah, SPF what are you going to give these beers? I thought it was going to be fifty woofs. <laughs> <laughs> SPF fifty. I I'll go first here because it's going to be easy for me. I'm going to give this at a fifty. I'm going to give this uh, eleven and a half. Oh, you're still getting Whoa. burnt with that one. You're just pretending <laughs> yep. like the sun can't get through, but you're going to get it. <laughs> yep. It's it's not quite howling gourds then, or is it? I, well, I don't know. If I get through it and I throw up on, on air here, <laughs> we're, then I'll we're, let you know. Yeah, but we're, we're, um, we're I don't have know to, if I'm going to get through it, honestly. We're going to have to check the Eric Green status as we go through. <laughs> yeah. I've got in my magic bag of tricks here, I have better beers that I know of. So I might switch here in a minute. We'll I, I see. would. I would, yeah. I'm going to hang in there for a minute. We'll see. No, we gotta, it's a pretty much a video game. We've got to watch the Green raise up his neck and into his face until we... <laughs> exactly. You know. Until he dies a fiery death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How is your... Uh, 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 is, um, is okay. Um, it's solid. It's middle of the road. It's, it's a lager. It's cool. It's refreshing. Um, oh, let, nice. let's, let's, let's go squarely in the middle at a 25. All right, all right. You can sit in the sun a little bit, get a little color before you. I, I, you know, I, I could drink it. I could drink it. It's fine. It's, before it's you get some little <laughs> little patches it's, it's of okay. skin that you have to get medically removed. Yeah, it's time for us to catch up. Catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim and Tim for an entire episode. Who could be so lucky? Yeah. We're getting a treat. A treat. And his name is Tim. All right. Let me go ahead and share my screen so we can all be on the same page here like we try to do. You know what the real tragedy is? I don't. I bought four, a four pack of these coconut porters. <laughs> well, you'll have, to, you'll have to save them for me. So next time I'm down there, I'll grab one. Then I'll, I'll rate it later in, Definitely. The, in the year. Yep. Woof. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny all right we are catching up and i wanted to start real quick with an update on my pinball uh arcade one-up pinball repair if you guys remember last time we talked uh the little mechanism in there the sensor was yeah. making the thing just like knock around when i wasn't even touching the machine and it would tilt out and it got i don't know like when the machine warms up it would get to that point Drove me nuts, and you can just unplug it or even turn it off in the settings so you can play the game, but you, then you can't nudge at all. Um, I talked about how great the customer service was, getting back to me with emails and helping me like, go through troubleshooting, and then ultimately, uh, for not too expensive, selling me a replacement unit because it would have been warranted if I had bought it, but I didn't buy it from a retailer I bought it used, so I told them that up front. And it got here in not too long of time. I popped it in, and... Depending on how you look at it, it fixed the problem. Um, it no longer tilted. It no longer bounced around when I didn't touch it. What it didn't do is nudge at all when I do anything to the machine. Ooh. So 
I, and I actually reached out to them to try to ask, and then they went kind of, uh, they acted dumb, like, did you try updating the firmware again? I'm like, I've already done that with you guys. I'm pretty sure they send you a sensor that's been modified to not nudge at all. And so probably for most people, they put that in there, plug it in, and it's like, good, it's not tilting anymore. That's great. And they just call it good. But I bought the machine because I want to nudge it. Like, that's nudge the whole it. point yeah. of pinball. Yeah. And having a physical machine is to move it around and nudge it. <laughs> oh, so <man. laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I was all so you, excited and happy with everything about it. And now I'm kind of disenchanted again. So that's frustrating. So might as well just left the sensor unplugged then because it's doing exactly the same thing as if you'd unplugged it. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> but I wonder how many people get this, this, assuming that's what they're doing, get this new version, plug it in and it fixes their problem. They're like, great. It's the sensor placebo <laughs> effect, isn't it? Exactly. That's it right there. Uh, Tim, you had to kind of touch on this, but uh, what have you been spending your entire life doing lately? <laughs> yep. Um, so it finally came out, guys. The Legend of Zelda, the Tears of the Kingdom came out, and it is just amazing. There's nothing else to say about this game other than that it is just amazing. Is it um, that many more magnitudes better than the first Breath of the Wild? <laughs> Well, the Breath of the Wild was 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 a brilliant game. It was a groundbreaking game, absolutely incredible. Um, and you kind of think, well, how do they really improve on that? And all they needed to do was just put in the build mechanic, um, which is uh, allowing you to literally just fuse items together um, and using your your zonite um, weapons and all that sort of thing to, to things that you find along the way to build rafts and gliders and god knows what else and some people some of the creations that they've put in is just amazing so just that mechanism just by itself having the the fuse um ability and to to build items that you find along the way literally you can like chop down trees glue those together you find um some of the big fans and things like that along the way that you can build those on stick those onto your raft and then you can glide across great expanses of water and uh yeah there's there's so much to this but not only that the actual game itself has just been kind of rewritten in terms of the way that you've got the story of the game so you've got um the the like the four the main areas i think it's what is it eric is it about four or five main areas in the game so you've got like the the main uh villages like rito village uh the gorons um uh, yep I think it's about five. Yeah, I think think it's it's about five, five, isn't it? So you've got those same regions that was in the original Breath of the Wild game, but those, those, I don't want to give too much away uh, because obviously I'm sure there's people out there that are still wanting to play the game and all that sort of stuff. So I don't want to give too many plot things away. But essentially those places still exist, uh, but they have been blighted by different phenomenon as they call it um so in one one region it's got super super cold and it's blizzard one is super super hot um and uh, the idea is is that you've basically got to um defeat whatever has um given this phenomenon and return those individual uh, locations back to how they should be uh, rid so of the one. blight yes rid of the blight um the other climate thing as change well, is real in hyrule 
yes. climate change is real. <laughs> um, the other thing that you also have is not only do you have just your uh, normal Hyrule plane, you also have the sky above and you also have um, the depths below. Now, I've done a bit of exploring in the sky, um, but I've not done anything um, in the depths below yet. So it's just mind-blowing how much there is in this game. I mean, It's I was like talking... tic-tac-toe when they made 3D tic-tac-toe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you can go up and down. And down. down. <laughs> um, so I was talking to uh, my barber, who does my hair, and he's a mad Zelda player, and uh, we just sit there talking about Zelda all the time while he's cutting my hair and stuff. And he's saying that he spent pretty much all of the game just going down exploring the depths and he's been playing this game for a similar sort of time that i have um and he's literally not really done anything on the sort of like the main hyrule plane and in and in the sky so he's he's just been rinsing this game in in the depths um so it's just amazing i really it's just unfathomable to me how they program this stuff these days. Normally with a game, I used to be able to sort of like look at it and think, yeah, I can, I can see how they do this. I can understand it. This game. No, it's just, it's just so big. So expansive. Um, incredible. Just when you thought you couldn't get any more advanced than Horace go skiing. Yeah. This comes out. <laughs> this comes out. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? Because I know uh, you had some serious FOMO going on there, and I think you picked up a copy as well, didn't you? Yeah, I had the FOMO after you were talking about it. And I was like, I was going to avoid it because I had too, too many old games I haven't played. And I was just like, no, nah, I'm not going to pick that up. But I did go into it. No, I'm loving it. I haven't had quite as much time to play it. Um, but, you know, I've, I'm, I'm doing pretty well through it, and the world is just absolutely huge. Um, but what I found the most amazing, and Tim did just explain this, so I'm not going to go into it, but I'm a user on Reddit. So, And if any of our listeners are Reddit users, uh, find me on there. I'm Dub Project, D-U-H Project, on Reddit. But there is a whole subreddit called Hyrule Engineering, and when you go to that subreddit, you will see some of the creations that Tim was talking about. And people are making things that the programmers didn't even think were possible. People are making like giant mechs with lasers shooting out of it that just stomp <laughs> into a village and kill yeah. everybody in there. Yeah. Um, they're making these hovercrafts um, by fusing fans onto skeletons of like that's a skeleton of a dinosaur and they're putting wings and fans on it and flying it around um i saw a guy make an orbital satellite like a satellite that hovers above him while he's walking and he has a leash on it and he hovers it over an enemy village and it just starts shooting lasers down all <laughs> over the place um there was a guy that made a thing called a scorpion and the scorpion was this um thing that he rode on but it had a giant tail that would flip up and start shooting lasers at it um that people are making the craziest stuff <laughs> in this game <laughs> and half of the fun is just yeah the seeing building. what people are making and yeah. and how ridiculous they are because there's in the game you find these zonai devices and there's gears and wheels and fans and lasers and turrets and 
a ton of stuff. And th- this subreddit called Hyrule Engineering, even if you don't have this game, you should just go <laughs> look at the crazy stuff people are building. And it's hilarious and it's amazing. And it's just a, it's a blast. We're laughing right now because we're watching some videos that I pulled up on this website. And it's just- yeah. Everything's ridiculous in its own way. That one, this giant beast just got killed in seconds by this creation this guy made. And this other one, this guy, for no reason whatsoever, is walking around on this, like, wheel-legged thing, flopping to and fro. It looks ridiculous. It just broke itself apart. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> the fact that he made it, it was hilarious. Uh, I, All right, this I makes saw, me this makes uh, me kind of want the game now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw one the other day, and they just built this massive press. So essentially, it's just like this great big box with um, uh, how they did this. I don't know, but like great big sharp pointy things, and they, yeah. they just basically lure the enemies in there, whack it with the sword as they get in there, and it just <laughs> crushes them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Just absolutely immense. It's. Yeah, did you see that video of the laser tower? He he pulls yeah. it in on a horse, and then when enemies show up. He just stops, and then the the tower pops up, and then starts shooting lasers everywhere. <laughs> Destroyed everybody. That's hilarious. I mean, just the most amazing things people are inventing, and there's no way that the programmers were anticipating this. That's fun. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah, cool. It's just a brilliant game. So, yeah, if you've got a Switch and you haven't tried any of the Zelda games yet it's worth trying just for the amount of freedom and the, the play that you get in that just for the building mechanic and all that sort of stuff as well. It's just, my problem is I just haven't, haven't finished breath of the wild and I kind of burnt out on it. And now I can't, my mentality is I can't go to the next game without finishing the first one. Yeah. You can't get so past I'm, it. So yeah, I'm either I mean, going to be stuck here forever <laughs> or else I'm going to trudge through a game that, uh, that I kind of burnt out on and hopefully reignite this night, you know, reignite the spark a little bit, but well, if you, if you want to, you can, you, there's like some speed runs on that. If you really want to get into beating it on, on breath of the world, you can beat it in around about, I think it was like 12 minutes or something ridiculous. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. The world record it's nuts. It makes me want to take a vacation. Yes. So I went, uh, as I said earlier, I went uh, to the island of Zanti or Zakynthos. Um, and uh, whilst I was over there, um, Tears of the Kingdom first came out. Um, so I took my copy with me and my Switch. So I was playing that um, in the evenings. Uh, so got some good good time in on that. Uh, that gave me a good uh, sort of like leg up, as it were, to um, getting into the game. Um, but also there was a couple of arcades around um, in the local area where we were staying. Nice. Uh, most of them were pretty rubbish, to be honest. All um, those uh, world-famous Greek games. Yeah, they, they had like, you know, the, the Mario Karts and and all those sort of things, you know, stuff that you can play. Well, well I say stuff that you can play at home. But one of the, one of the arcades, well, it was actually a, um, a mini golf uh, place and they had like an arcade there and a pool table and a few other bits and pieces but one of the things they had there was a uh, crazy taxi 
Um, Crazy Taxi! And I absolutely love that game. Um, and I put one euro in and I was there for about 15, 20 minutes just on one game. Nice. I think I had one of the best games ever. Did <laughs> <laughs> so you take a picture of your score? <laughs> I would have taken a picture of my score. I think it was a class A or an A plus, a plus license or something like that. I think uh, this machine had obviously been there for many, many years. And I think I got like third or fourth on the high score nice. table. <laughs> I was really really pleased about that um so yeah i i played played a bit of crazy taxi and we we walked around few few of the arcades like i say it's nothing nothing really amazing over there unfortunately i was i was hoping that maybe they'd had some like untouched because that it's it's a very small island and when you land you're like okay um they've got a sort of like a newish airport, but you can see the old airport and it's not quite an old shack, but I mean, it is really, really basic. (laughs) (laughs) You can see a few years ago, it would have been pretty harem scarum getting in there. Did they have Um, a movie theater? uh, Possibly somewhere on the Island. (laughs) No, I thought that might, (laughs) I thought that might be related to your next item here. I thought that might've been on the Island. No, 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 no. We, we, we watched, um, so the next item is we watched the Tetris movie. Um, and that's, uh, what is it? Apple? I think it's an Apple plus one or is it Paramount? Can't remember. It might, might be Apple plus one of the ones I don't have. So I'm going to have to yeah. wait until it comes out somewhere else. Cause I'm yeah. too cheap. Um, and I kind of like had a bit of reservation about this. I'm thinking, what can you actually do? I mean, I, oh, I didn't know. Good. Yeah. I didn't know the story behind it. Um, you know, everything that went on and the skullduggery and how political it actually got. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how much is obviously done for the movie here and how much is actually true. But um, yeah, it's really, really good. I would recommend watching the Tetris movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's got a great story to it. Um, and yeah, re- really enjoyed that. Eric, what did you really enjoy? We we hinted at this one last episode, and I'm dying to hear how this, this went. Yeah, so <clears throat> in the last episode, we talked about the delays, the multiple delays, and then it was breaking news. I literally learned that it was the release date is now pushed to August 8th, so at least they have a date, because the last game, update Eric? before what that game? was like end of summer, and then this is like August 8th. So WrestleQuest is coming out, but... To appease the people, I think they allowed people once again to download the demo on Steam if you're on there. And I did download it and I played it. Um, Blown away. Well, here are my thoughts. So (laughs) basically, as I'm playing through the demo, I really barely got out of the tutorial section. Oh, they, they, they started at the tutorial, huh? Started with the tutorial, and, and you're okay. in the game during the tutorial, which I appreciate, but there's a lot of cutscenes and dialogue because it's the tutorial. So I didn't get a good flavor for how the game flow is going to be, but I did get a flavor for the mechanics of the game, like pinning okay. people, doing moves, um, things like that. And um, it, it, it's a lot of fun. So, I mean, it looks like the game's going to be cool. You could pick what you wear. You could pick, um, you know, uh, different outfits. You, you, you change your entrances into the arena to build, like, hype for the audience. So, it, there, and there's a little town you go walk through, just like a typical RPG. Um, Would you love to live in, in that town for a week? 
No, no, big, big, big muscle bound. Uh, no, no, I, I, no, Bro. I, yeah, that's just not my scene. Um, but the demo was fun. Yeah, I just don't feel like I really got a taste for what the game's going to be because of the 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 thick uh, storyline regarding the tutorial, as most games do now, and I didn't get out of that. So I, I'm still eager to wait for the game, but it did whet my appetite to actually play the game. It it it, it looks like this it's going to be job. very well written. Yeah, it's going to be well written. So um, very cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And Tim, this is an interesting one because I think we talked about it. Eric talked about it uh, last month, but we didn't get to hear your take on it yet. So I picked up a copy of Zeta Wing 2, um, which is a game on the Commodore 64 by Sarah Jane Avery. Um, this was a little while ago, um, but uh, yeah, I played a ton of this game when it first came out. Um, haven't had much of a chance to go back to it because there's been so many other things going on at the moment. And of course, Zelda. Um, but um, yeah probably i think her best game so far i don't know what you guys think about it um i it's just amazing some of the the way the graphics are on the game the scaling on the sprites as they come up through the through the levels um i think i got relatively far into it i think i got up to the third level boss um but didn't get any further than that one um the one thing that really did annoy me about it is the is the cheap deaths on the side on the side oh, yeah. okay. on the side when that comes in and that makes it really really difficult i mean i know you kind of got a ramp up the difficulty as you go through but that just it's all and it's i'm not just talking about zeta wing i'm i'm talking about that in some of the other games as well it that just that side wall death on a on a shooter like that just really grinds my gears well i know it's in, bad in the first enough. one she made sure that there were little <laughs> arrows saying something's coming from here in a second are those not in this no, one no, uh, no no it's this the 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 sides the like, sides like the walls of the screen yeah, the walls. Uh, okay. and they they just closed in pretty quick. Gotcha. And then gotcha. you've got other areas, you know, which which kind of like come in as well. Um, so it makes it really tight uh, in some locations. And that's very uh, Commodore. The end of level boss. Yeah. Except yeah. they usually do that on like yeah. level one, three <clears throat> seconds in. They're like, all right, now you're in a tight tunnel and you die right away. Like, I'm trying to remember yeah, all those. Yeah. I loved this. I love the scaling effects that she used where the ships will come up from below the, the deck Yeah, and they, and they get, they're small and then they come up. I mean, there's a ton of that scaling effect and I, I just, I loved it. I I've, I'm going to keep going back and try to try to beat the game. Uh, I think I probably got about halfway through it. I, I do love the game. Um, I have to give it a shot. So, I have to yeah. give it a shot still. And I know once I, I put it in, it's going to be my thing for like four days until I can beat it. So, yeah. If yeah. if I could interject one thing, I've given up on drinking the suntan lotion. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I can't take it anymore. So I'm moving on to a good old 805. I'm not going to rate it because I've had it a million times on here, but this is my palate cleanser to get to get onto the, the coconut next. suntan lotion All right, fair enough. out of my fair mouth. Enough. So cheers, guys. I'm drinking this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I played a game that I've seen for a couple years now. It's a uh, another one of these roguelikes. Which drives me nuts, because this game is nothing like the game Rogue. Um, anyways, I won't argue about the, the way things are classified again, but I wanted to try this game finally. It came uh, for, like, pennies or free with a, a bunch of games I picked up one time. And yeah. like a lot of these games now, I love the graphic style. I love some of the gameplay. It's top-down. 
Um, I, I mean, it's kind of like a twin stick shooter. I guess that you can call it a twin stick shooter to a point, but uh, you start out as this archer, and then you can gain other allies to become as well, including like this uh, this this woman with a crossbow, uh, this knight who uses a sword. But it's you know these procedurally generated dungeon kind of things, and you you try to go in there and kill a bunch of enemies and flip switches to open new rooms and try to get enough of the, these little power-up discs or whatever that you get to a point where they'll actually save those discs for you. So when you die at that point and you go back to the beginning of the game again, you can turn those discs into uh, you know new weapons or abilities or, or people or whatever. It's, and it's the same. It's, people are calling these roguelikes now, um, which, again, to me, roguelike, the game rogue. Aside from being top-down, it's a very different game. Anyways, um, and these games will catch me for like two or three hours, and I'll get excited about it, and then I'll just realize, like, it doesn't matter how much I play this, everything ramps up the difficulty-wise as they gain more things, so I just can't get any further. You just have to, like, it becomes grinding. And, and, I, don't, and I don't like that, that loop. I don't like it. I want to be able to get further in the game. I would love to get to a point where you build up or whatever, and you beat up an area, then it's like, great, now let's do that again, but in this new area. So you've, you've progressed. And these games are, you know, I, I put a bunch of time into a game that everyone loved. What was that one? Um, Hades. And, and yeah. I, I loved it. And I put a solid eight or nine hours into it until I got to this point where I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Like, I was getting all kinds of power-ups and, and playing much better, but I was just grinding and grinding. Everything just got harder. You know, it was just more of the same because it got harder as I got better. I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere. This is boring. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And this game did that as well. So I think I'm just kind of done with these quote-unquote roguelikes as they are nowadays. Um, what's, an, what's another one that, that, Eric, that you got into for a while? Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. It was a 2D, like, action platformer type of a game um yeah it's gonna kill me but it had the same the same kind of you know there's one other one i was playing called Ro- dead cells dead cells yep that's it yeah same thing i just i got like quickly within two or three hours I got to this point where like i'm not having fun with this why does it keep doing this to me so i think i've clocked about 12 hours in the dead cells and it's and i think i i'm very close to beating it but I got to the point where it was it's that's definitely not a grindy game, but it does get to the point where your power level plateaus and then you're trying to figure out what I need next to get to the next level. And yeah. then Dead Cells is a game where if you pick the wrong technology path or you're you pick the wrong type of yeah. tech tree like things, you you probably will have a harder time. And I think that's what I did. So anyway. Anyways, I I think the game, the gameplay and everything, if just kind of put in a different order to be more progressive, yeah. I would love this game. But I'm just, I guess I'm just frustrated because I want to like it so much and I just get burnt yeah. out on these now. So I need to, I need to take my own advice and, and walk away from these moving forward, I think. So there we go. Yeah, they all look very much the same now, don't they? It's all the retro-inspired kind of tiny little pixelated bits into the game to try and draw you into that and cash in on that. And it works. But I love it. I love everything about much, the game. Yeah, absolutely. But they're all turning out to be a lot the same now, aren't they? So well, that, it's that one mechanic, and and it must work because yeah. they're making people are making them. There must they may, must be making money, but I can't anymore. <laughs> no. Right. So, anyways. 
Kind of a bummer, but that was uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on there until we talk about Eric's Xbox 360 fun. What does that mean? Yeah, so a couple of things, many things in the last couple of weeks have been happening in my life. So um, my wife and daughter went to Washington, D.C., and they're still there. They're on a week trip. So I'm Mr. Bachelor here at home. Um, but my son graduated from high school, and then my really close friend, Jesse, who I've talked about many times on the show because we played video games back in the day, um, he's moving. He's moving to Washington in a couple of weeks, probably a, maybe a month. And so I invited Jesse and Sam over to basically just kind of barbecue some steaks up and play some video games. And nice. so they came over, and we did that. And this was just couple days ago. Um, and it, it was fun. We, we, we cooked, we made stuff and it was great, but we, the, the only console I really have plugged in downstairs with the big TV is like my Xbox 360. It's just where it is. And it's kind of the become the de facto DVD player. If we have an old <laughs> DVD, we want to watch, we just pop it in there and watch it. But I decided just to boot the old girl up and see how she's running. And I hadn't booted that thing and I, you know, I was thinking about it and I thought it was a year maybe, but I, it's gotta be longer than that. I don't think I did it since before COVID. So it's gotta be like probably two or three years since I booted that thing. And, you know, I wanted to play some games with these guys that they had played before. So we played a lot of street fighter four and my son loved injustice. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, that. Injustice is a, Yep, it's a fighting game in the Super Nintendo. He, he was really into it when uh, he was younger. So we played a ton of those games um, and it had a blast, absolute blast. We played for probably an hour and a half or so, hot seat where we would play Street Fighter and then I'd beat Jesse and then my son would come in and then he would beat me and then Jesse and then you, would. And so you, we were you playing hot seat Street Fighter. Whoever yep, wasn't exactly. playing was eating steak. Yes, it was perfect. <laughs> it was my dream come true. But the one thing that caught me, and I'm, I think I'm going to do next month's Eric's take on this, was I was looking through when I was booting up the Xbox and making sure the controllers were charged up and all that stuff. Um, I was looking through the menus of my Xbox 360 and thinking about all these games that are on there that were that I downloaded from Xbox Live Arcade. If you remember that, that was kind of the early indie scene yeah. like like yeah. no one had ever seen this before it's like a marketplace for little indie games and i looked on there and i think i have i'm not joking like about a hundred games on there nice. and the bet the bad news is that i let my xbox live subscriptions expire so they're still on there but they're all converted back to demo modes i didn't know oh, that happened oh uh, wow because i bought them and they're in demo modes now a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them but even just scrolling through them, I was thinking there's this one called Aegis Wing, which is a, a, a little shmup, like a okay. horizontal shmup. And I remember having so much fun with that. Um, but what I think I'm going to do... Um, oh, another one. Another great one was Castle Crashers. Have you guys played oh, yeah, that? You can still get that game. I've never yeah, actually so played it, but my, I know it's very popular still. Me and my son would play that game to death. Like, he would have a... He would have people like friends come over and spend the night, and it was a you could play four players on that, and it it was drop in drop out four players. So literally, me my son and two friends would be playing, and I'd just jump in and grab a controller and start kicking butt, and then I'd have to go and I'd just leave, and they'd continue playing. You go eat your steak. And we would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> even back when, 
But we would play that game over. We would beat it over and over and over again because we had so much fun with it. So I think next month I'm going to talk, I'm going to boot that back up, maybe even activate my Xbox live for a month just so I can reactivate. I want to see if they reactivate. I think they will. Should do. Um, and then just go through a bunch of the games that I loved. I mean, when we think about it, I bought my Xbox 360 when my son was born. So he's 18 now and graduating from high school. It's 18 years old. Yeah. And I play and and I that was my main console. I love that thing. So I think next time I'm going to pick maybe three of my favorite Xbox Live arcade games that oh, are on there fun. and just talk about them. That's yeah. good. So anyway, like that was it. Xbox 360 fun. Tim, did talk play, about fun. Speaking of fun. <laughs> did you play um, Hexic? Hexic HD? I, it sounds on familiar, but I, I, I think I, I do have that on there. Yeah, it is brilliant. And that's uh, going back to the Tetris movie that was designed by um, Alexei, who designed Tetris. I think I did play that. I think yeah. that might be on my Xbox. Yeah, Hexic HD kind of is back brilliant. Here. It's really, really good. That yeah. looks, I, yeah. I love yeah. those type of puzzle games, so that looks... Brilliant, I'm sure. And I, I, I saw a bunch of puzzle games on there that I had played before, and I'm not a big puzzle guy, but I saw Bejeweled. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got Be- Bejeweled is on there. I saw um, – there was just so many games um, th- that I saw on there that there's just – remember Geometry Wars? Like it yep. was like the big yep. vector-based game. I loved that game, and that was yep. on there. And it, and that was there was a second one like uh, Geometry Wars Evolved or something. Yep. Yeah. So many so many great games that I and completely of, forgot about. And of course, the um, Rare did a revival of Jetpack Refueled on there as well. That yeah. first came yep. out on the Xbox Live Arcade. Brilliant. Yep. <laughs> I didn't have an Xbox at the time, so I missed out on all that. But it sounds like my scene. Unfortunately, I missed out. But yeah. Yeah. Um, who's Gary? Gary, you know I Gary. Know Gary. I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to make a segue happen here. Gary, yeah. So uh, Gary has been um, wanting to scale back a bit on his uh, retro collection, um, and he had a a storage unit where he used to keep a lot of his stuff. Uh, so he phoned me up one day and said, um, I need to get over to the storage unit and I need to start clearing that stuff out, bring it over so I can catalog it and, and get some of it sold. So I said, no problem. I'll come over, give you a hand. So we went over on a Saturday morning and, uh, we went into the storage unit, opened it up and like, Oh my God, <laughs> there was so much stuff in this, in this storage unit. You couldn't believe it. <laughs> crates and crates and crates of stuff. So, um, we ended up, uh, loading this up. We, I think we probably ended up doing like three, uh, three runs back and forth. Luckily the storage unit was only about, uh, two and a half, three miles or something like that away from his house. Um, so we got all that sorted. And then we started going through some of this stuff and some of it was quite familiar because it was uh, some of the stuff that ages ago, Gary and I did a video on Twitch um, where we were unboxing this massive haul that he got from Japan. <laughs> um, so, so some of it seemed kind of like familiar. We were looking through all of that stuff. Um, but anyway, whilst we were going through that, there was a few bits and pieces that I said I'd take off of him. Um, and, uh, 
eventually I managed to, I've, I've picked up a few bits and pieces um, whilst I was there on that first trip. Um, and then with everything that's been going on recently, the holiday and all that sort of stuff, um, I went back last weekend um, and I picked up a few more bits. Um, and then the other day I went and picked up the things that I've really been hoping that I was able to get. Um, and we came, came to a, came to a deal on it. So. An arrangement. Yes. So let, let me show you some of these things. <laughs> As he twiddles his fingers in the air in excitement, he has to get those fingers ready to start opening cassettes. Up, the, I hear cassettes. No, this, no? this isn't okay. a cassette. No. So first up is an Atari portfolio. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> oh, I, I have one of those. Nice. One of those? Dude, yep. Listen to that. I yeah, do. It sounds like a, an old house yeah. door opening. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that hinge. You got to grease WD-40 those hinges up, yeah, bro. Yeah, so it's unknown. I mean, it's got the side missing from it and all that sort of stuff. He just said, look, I'm going to throw this. Do you want it? Yes. Yeah, so an Atari portfolio, oh. by the way, for people who are not aware and not seeing the video here, is a little kind of handheld miniature laptop thing. But it's not, if I remember correctly, it's only got like a few lines of text actually on the yep. screen. And it was it was made famous from Terminator 2. Um, because it was what, um, uh, what was, I can't remember his name now, but he used it to hack ATMs to get money out of John Connor, <laughs> John Connor. That's it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He hacked the ATM with it. Yeah. I, I have one of those and they're, they're pretty cool. They're really awesome. I mean, they're, they're neat little machines. So next, I up, think they're called palm tops, palm top. Let's yes, go with that. I like it. Um, so this kind of like completes my collection. Uh, this is the Japanese or Asian mega drive. Okay. Just says sixteen so bit. This is the, yeah, but it's it's got the the color difference on it, so you can't can't really see it on the video, and obviously listeners won't be able to see it. But this has got sort of like the dark blue color on it, um, and the difference with this one as well is that it actually locks the cartridges in place, oh, okay. whereas the normal traditional Genesis or Mega Drives don't. And then there's a little bit of difference on the logo at the bottom as well, um, and that's an original Series One because it's got the uh, communication port on the back as well the nine nine pin d-type whereas the later mega drives and genesis didn't have that one on and of course you can't tell by looking at the unit but the actual games are different shaped in japan as well yes cartridges yes. yep um, but they, they they don't have the shaping on the on the japanese unit as well which is good so you can, you can play everything yep yeah. yeah they made the uh, the western units have a little hitch in their giddy up so you can't put all the games in it physically just That's unless it. you take them apart then you can put them in just fine. So the next one is oh, another Japanese nice. Saturn, but yeah, that's a beauty. This one has actually been modded, um, so it's two forty, so not uh, one ten. So I won't blow this one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and apparently, it's got a mod chip in it. Nice. Oh, good. Um, good, I've not, good. not tried any of this stuff out yet. Cause I literally just got it, you know, the, a few days ago, haven't really had a chance to check this out. Um, Did that come with the white controllers? Uh, it didn't come with anything. It's just literally that, but I okay. already have a Japanese Saturn with the controller and all that sort of oh, okay. stuff. Okay. So, good, good, good. So this is, this adds yeah. to the collection. Nice. Uh, In case we need two Japanese one, Saturns. This one I didn't realize existed. Oh, wow. It is, it is an original japanese playstation mm -hmm. okay but this is the scph 1000 not the 1001 this is the 1000 
Now this on the back, look at that. Yeah, it's got S video. It's, it's got, got S video. I've yeah. never seen a PlayStation with S video on the back. So no, that I must bet that be looks great too. The original one for the for the SCPH one thousand. So I was uh, keen to pick that one up. So I got that. Side tangent here. One time I bought mm-hmm. a Japanese PlayStation. Um, mm-hmm. You can still go dig around. <laughs> um, so I bought a Japanese PlayStation off eBay because I wanted a Japanese PlayStation. Um, and when I got it, I'm like, I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, this looks like a regular American boring PlayStation. And I wrote the guy and I'm like, I don't know if you sent me the wrong one, but I ordered a Japanese one. He's like, no, that'll play, that'll play Japanese games. I'm like, yeah, but that, that's yeah, not what you that, sold me. I, this, it says, no, right. it says you right on it. That means us. It should say J JPN or whatever. And he's yeah, like, what's the difference? Yeah. It'll play them. I'm like, you are oh, killing me, dude, killing me. <laughs> so anyways, um, so this this one I think is going to come over to Eric, and you can Uh-oh. work your magic on this Uh-oh. one for me. Nice, nice. Sega Game Gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So I want you to mod this one up for me up the wazoo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It does work. It does okay. power on. Um, I haven't got any games to test it with or anything like that. So that will come over in the next box. Nice. So if you can have a have at that one for me. As soon as shipping <laughs> rates go back down to sane levels, which um, hopefully it happens eventually. Yeah. So this one was one I was looking forward to. Oh, wow. All right. Now, that's the one I'm most <laughs> jealous of right off the bat. Yeah. So this is the PC engine, but the shuttle version. Wow. So this is thing. It's like a weird, like a lovely, cool rear uh, retro shape. Uh, it's got the flip lid for where you put the hue cards in in there um but the other good thing with this one is that it has a proper rgb out socket yeah and i think that's the same as the mega drive one connector um so i'll probably be able to use that on there again no clue whether this thing works or not there's no power supply or anything like that with it it's just again you know gary was like i don't know what to do with it i can't there's no um you know mega value to it because it's not complete i haven't got controllers and all that sort of stuff so yep so i picked up the show that's cool it looks like a ufo it does i've always wanted one of those it looks like a ufo those kind of i mean obviously it doesn't do anything ours don't already do but just they're weird they're they're funky and weird oh but uh, the case is so unique you know what it looks like it looks like those uh those uh hydro thunder like the the boats and hydro thunder (laughs) yeah hydro thunder but the thing is as well is that it's completely proprietary connection on that one and you can't use any of the SD solutions on that one yeah. other than the, the front-mounted one. So you can't use the, the Terra Onion one. Um, That's so cool. So the other thing was another ZX Spectrum 48K. <laughs> because <laughs> you can't have enough. Yeah. You cannot have enough of those. And... This one, I think, was also going to come over to you, Eric, because I don't think you've got one of these. There oh, you go. no, I, I do not. Uh, I honestly do not have a ZX81. Uh, ZX81. ZX81. <laughs> ZX. You know what? To this day, I still have not plugged mine in. I no, own it, but I have not plugged it in yet, <laughs> and it's killing me. Um, so the next thing. Wow, they, they uh, just keep coming. This, the hits keep coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg, guys. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, the the next thing is 
balmy burgers on the zx spectrum um that is uh burger one time we going through <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and i just oh, have, wow. have that balmy burgers <laughs> cool. It's actually quite a good version. Um, yeah. yeah. So Barmy Burgers and the, the typical early 80s artwork is that's just so scary. It's <laughs> <laughs> nightmare fuel. So uh, a wiener chasing a burger. Uh, one game I love on the Master System, which is Fantasy Zone. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good one. Full, that's all boxed and that's got the instructions in there with it. Now, we're moving on. The amount of audio with with Tim off mic on this episode. I don't I don't know where to start with this lot, but I have a massive haul of Famicom. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's awesome. This, hang on. (laughs) He says, "Hang on," and then I hear the sounds. This alone is just the Namco. Yep, that's just the black cartridges with the labels. Yep. So the Namco games I've got um Quinty, I think it is. Gallagher. Nice Gallagher. <laughs> I got nice. that one actually. I have a few Namco games. Yep. Uh Warp Man. Uh Xavius. Uh Galaxian. I won't go through them all, but there's there's a, a load here. I say the Namco ones are um, probably the ones people would most likely recognize. There's yeah. a lot of Famicom games that are just a picture of some like cartoon-looking dude in a businessman suit screaming his head off, and then a bunch of Japanese lettering. You're like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, there's some IREM carts. So we've got like uh, Zippy Race. Zippy Race. Uh, Spelunker. All right. <laughs> um, there's a, a Jelco cartridge, which I don't know what that one is. Oh, I have that game. Uh, you got, I've that, got one. that one. That's actually uh, it's actually worth worth a go, right? Okay. Um, and there's a title, title game called Frontline. Yeah. Um, and then in the box in here, there is probably about another seventy <laughs> cartridges. Love it. <laughs> Just loose carts like that because it was only like maybe a few months ago, six months ago, when I got that Famicom up and running that I got at Legacy Toys yeah. and Games. And I literally own two cartridges. One is Dr. Mario, and the other one is a multi-cart that I grabbed that just has a bunch of games on it. Well, between those two carts, you'll probably actually find more games worth playing than Tim will in his whole lot. That's just kind of what I found. (laughs) I've got about 50 Famicom games, but I've I've played every single one and categorized them by, will I play this again? And there's like seven. (laughs) Because a lot of them are just very Japanese-heavy or just very weird, like... I don't need eight different versions of horse racing. That was one of the reasons why I bought this lot is because it's kind of an investment for the show. Nice. Because I, some of this stuff is coming over to you. Oh, jeez. Um, so <laughs> That's I've, nice. So I've also, I would bought, love it. I love those art, the arcade conversions. I love yeah, that. Stuff. Solid. So I've also got some box games as well. Oh, That's yeah. cool. I don't have any so box. There's, so there's a Mickey mouse and this is by Hudson soft. I take it back. I do have one uh, or two boxes now I think about it. Yeah. I've got Mighty Bomb Jack. Good game. Nice. Good game. That's a good game. Ghostbusters! Cool looking <laughs> title. Never cared for the game. Yeah. That was um, in our game show, the Famicom yeah, there you go. Ghostbusters. A boxed original Bomberman. Nice. Oh, nice. Do, 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 do. Uh, Solomon's Key. Little puzzle game. Yeah. 
Eric and I won't um, play it. Now this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this one is Kung Fu Master. Oh, sweet! That's a good yep. one. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's got to be the obligatory baseball game. Yep. See, I love the artwork <laughs> on these, though. The artwork yeah. is amazing. Um, this is really... I, I don't know what this one is, but again, the artwork is really nice. That's a Namco one. I have that... Oh, I have the first one. It's Coriune, I think it's called. Coriune. Right. Okay. Uh, and it's a little platformer. The first one is. I don't yeah. know if the second one's different, but... Um, and this one don't know what that one's called it's by db soft uh, i need to need to look all this stuff up and I need it's to called little boy with a hat holding an umbrella running from a pokemon because <laughs> that's what it looks like yeah. and then the, there's a couple of others and uh yeah kung oh, fu there we the go. original yeah yeah i didn't realize that was so, a konami title but yeah that's um yeah Mr. Rob Flack O'Hara had high high things to say about Yar Kung Fu in his past. High praise. Yeah, I mean, the Commodore 64 version is just legendary. It's brilliant. It's very good. It's so yeah. fast. It's yeah. one of the fastest moving games on the 64. Compare it so to the amazing. Famicom. I want to hear about it. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a massive haul that's awesome. of uh, Famicom stuff and a few bits and pieces. Very cool. I need to go through all that and just find out what, what they're all about. You're going to have to get out. So what I did when I got my uh, my big lot of games is you have to get out the uh, the rubbing alcohol and some Q-tips. And you're going to have to go through, clean, clean each game before you put them in. Otherwise, you'll just gunk up that Famicom with old cart edges. But, uh, yep. Or, or, yep, or uh, Future Was 8-Bit Rubber. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Works well. Cool. Um, so I wanted to talk really quick. Last uh, last month, I talked about how I was listening to the book, The Micro Kids, all about. Um, uh, it's I'm sure there are bits and pieces of real life stories mixed in with a little bit of fantasy to kind of mold it all together. But I listened to the audible uh, the audible reading of the book, Micro Kids, um, which uh, the 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 writer of this is a friend of the show. I believe listens to the show. Yes. And unfortunately, I'm totally blanking on the name right now. So let me... T- <laughs> Micro Kids. Um, I, heard the, I heard you guys talking about this one uh, um, on the last episode, I think. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I've got the book as well. And I did something similar to Eric. I, uh, uh, I think he reached out to me on Twitter, I think it was, a while back, um, and said about the book and all that sort of stuff. And I, I bought it and read it. Yep. Yeah, Gary, good. Gary, Gary Plowman. Plowman. Yep. Gary Plowman, that's it. Yep. Yep. And I've had this book a long time. I remember when he was talking about it on Twitter and I was just like, Hey, I'll buy it. I mean, I, and I want a hard copy because I don't really want to read a digital copy. And I, I went and I I didn't get the hardcover, but I got the paperback and I've, I've read it. I probably read it a couple of times. I mean, I, I, I just, it's one of those books I just pick up and kind of read a chapter or two. Um, it's nostalgic for sure. Is it the one I think he was talking that there was a bit about getting his computer repaired, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. By the yeah. The, the evil computer repair shop guy that uh, he just <laughs> thought was there to scam him out of all his money. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the book is, is you know, it, I, I've mentioned last time, it's, it, it, it doesn't sound like he's a, uh, you know, a well-established author by any means, but the book is extremely entertaining. It is very much a slice of... Uh, just kind of the the 80s vibe uh which i lived a little bit through the 80s um 
the it really gives I think a, a, a much stronger flavor from, from my point of view as an American at the the British microcomputer scene, and it, I think it makes you understand how big of a thing it was over there, which. You know, to me, I didn't even know what a microcomputer was until Eric t- told me what a Commodore 64 was eight years ago or ten years ago, whenever that was. Um, so it, it's just completely different. The culture is kind of the same, but the the fact that the computers were so present over there compared to over here, um, not to mention just all those kind of you know coming of age tales about the kid on the the bully on the bike that would you know beat you up for no reason and what was important to you and what you cared about after school and who you talked to about what things and putting clubs yeah. together and it was it's great it's entertaining uh and eric i can totally understand you could probably start anywhere in that book read a chapter or two and get the same feeling no matter where you start it kind of yep. it does have a beginning and an end but it doesn't really matter it's just it's you're reading an experience you're reading a a vibe if you yeah. will yeah so it's pretty cool yeah and it, it reinforced my feelings about how Listen, I I grew up in the '80s. It was a it was definitely a character building time when I had my Commodore 64 and I was trading games and pirating games and just having a blast and learning about microcomputers and stuff and getting the magazines here. And I thought it was an amazing upbringing, right? And then as an adult now, I've from Tim and from other people, I've learned how much more vibrant the scene in the UK was. And it, it was it 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 almost every metric was better in the UK. I agree. Like the magazines were better. We didn't have Zap. We didn't have Crash. We didn't have those magazines here. We had different magazines, but they weren't. They were not as good. They just and I, and that breaks my heart. For a gamer kids because specifically, I love those yeah, magazines. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it breaks my heart because I love those magazines. But when I was looking through Zaps that you sent us, I was just like why didn't we have this? This is what I wanted. (laughs) So anyway, that's just my little two cents. So reading that book was like kind of reinforced that it was just an amazing scene in the UK. Yeah. I mean, you guys were kind of discussing it a bit on the last episode and I was like nodding my head and then thinking, yeah, you know, I, I can, I can completely relate to all of this stuff and things like you were saying, the difference with your stores, you know, like, uh, you don't, you really see games in, um, you know, uh, Target or Toys R Us or that sort of thing yeah. in the really big stores. Um, I mean, yep. yeah, there were there were some small, smaller mom and pop stores as you call them over there, or that sort of thing that did games and and bits and pieces. But you know, we had it in not only just in computer shops, we had it in um, like what we call our chemists or drug stores. Uh, there's a big big chain called Boots. And they were absolutely massive. They were one of the biggest micro sellers, um, along with WH Smith's. Um, and they would have like smaller concession stores. Um, and every single one of those shops had games in them. Every single well, one. I think that was a big difference. Um, even too, is they were they were two two pound up to like fifteen pound, where ours were all forty bucks, fifty bucks. For a cartridge. That's, uh, that yeah. is, I think, where the microcomputer in the UK, and, and for most of Europe, to be fair, um, really won over the console is the, the fact of the price of entry. The, the, the systems were relatively on a par, um, but the actual games and all that sort of thing, you know, if you had, you know, uh, a pound, two pound pocket money or something like that, you could go out almost every week and buy a game. 
um and that that was the difference and then that's where mastertronic and codemasters and that sort of stuff they really picked up on that market and rinsed it for the want of a better word (laughs) (laughs) um and uh but we got a lot of good games we got a lot of bad games out of that but what it also did is created a massive industry here in the uk and in europe of bedroom programmers and some a lot of those programmers have gone on to be industry giants um you know people that are running the companies now and all that sort of thing you know like like rare ultimate play the game for example you know the the stamper brothers and all that sort of thing they all came from that very initial early period um and you know shapes the industry to what it is nowadays um so that i think that's where the influence of the british micro market comes in is is how much it influenced what we even to what we do nowadays with gaming and all that sort of stuff a lot of that was born out of that original early 80s time so that's i think that's why it's nostalgic and also why it's so special that's your history minute with tim drew (laughs) (laughs) So when I finished that, I decided I'd start a new Audible book about old uh, microcomputers. So I decided to start this one I've been looking at for a while, Escape from the Commodore 64. And I just started into it, and it's corny and, and fun so far, but I don't have, I'm not far enough into it. But it's literally a, a, uh, a fiction story, of course, about a girl who gets trapped in her brother's Commodore 64. And it's funny because she's going through these experiences, um, and as she's doing them and they're describing things, you're like, oh, I know what game she's in, <laughs> you know? Or there's a lot of telling me, I can tell, oh, they're describing some game, but I don't know this one because I don't know all the games yet. But um, so, like, right now I'm at the part where she's, she just uh, walked into a building, went down a long, eleva- a long elevator, and just heard someone said, stay a while, stay forever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun and interesting the only hard thing about it is um the narrator for the audible version in particular she's really good uh australian uh woman uh great inflection everything's very interesting but the sentences just run together so fast my mind can't keep up (laughs) so i actually tried it at like 0.75 speed that was a little too low i'm like can i dial it into like 0.9 um it's hard to uh yeah it's kind of hard to keep up but escape from commodore 64 and you know, David Hearn, the author, he is on our Discord. Uh, da- he goes under David Hearn Writer. writer. There you go. Because he is a writer. Th- that makes but he's sense. He's on our Discord, and he's been a Amigos um, contributor for a long time. Yeah. See, yep. I don't recognize people unless there are patrons, Eric. So how yeah, would I true, know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we live in a bubble. Hopefully you listen. We only know our guys. Hopefully you listen, Mr. Hearn. I would love to uh, pick your brain on your yeah. book when I'm done here. So. Uh, that's it, Tim. You have exclusive news. Yeah, well, this was hopefully going to be an exclusive, but... Um, Not anymore? <laughs> yeah. Rod just blew us out of the water Aww. overnight. Um, <laughs> he's he's announced it, um, and this is something that I've been kind of like teasing for the last few months because I've been talking to Rod about it an awful lot. Um, anyway, let's to get it out of the way. So... The VIC-20 now has the penultimate plus two cartridge. Wouldn't this just be called the ultimate cartridge then? No, <laughs> no, this is penultimate plus two. <laughs> That's right. That a great so cartridge. This, this, so what is the difference here? I'm excited. So the, the main difference is, is this has now got over 200, yes, 
200 plus games built into it into the cartridge so it has got some amazing vic 20 games in there not that it didn't have before um but it's also got um the full library of future was 8-bit stuff there you go and onion there yes but there is also um uh 50 games that have been done by misfit 50 Um, wow and it was yeah and there was um a cut well there is a cartridge that's going to be released for the commodore 64 called uh i think it's mystery lorry farts or something like that (laughs) um and this is 50 uh it's basically it's an homage to i don't know if you guys have ever seen um uh uh, what was it called game 50 or something like that which was released in the early 80s it was just by a company called cascade and they were literally just cashing in it was 50 really quick janky basic programs on a tape we had a one and on they, the nes called action 52 yeah yeah, yeah. it was yeah so it's, it's, similar sort of thing but this thing sold tons i mean it was on every single platform because it was all basic i mean they even did it like on the auric and all that sort of stuff and the gimmick was that you bought the tape and you also get like a digital watch with it (laughs) (laughs) you're getting what with um, what is the real question there yeah exactly yeah so anyway um there's 50 games on there um, and Misfit has also written one game entitled for Danica as well. Called, I think it's called Danica's Attack. Um, I've not even I've <laughs> wow, not even seen it yet. Pretty That's cool. so awesome. <laughs> That's not amazing. Even, not even seen it yet. Um, so yeah, so the penultimate two is coming out. Not only has it got the usual stuff, so like games, tons of games on it. There are now um, more features enhanced. So if you have a look in the chat in uh, Skype, Cody, I've sent a link to the video right uh which which rod released last night um so this is him just trying out the penultimate two um one of the features is is like you've got 200 games what are you going to choose so he's got um rod's random rom i think it is or something like that (laughs) so you hit on that and it basically it's it's a it just loads up a random rom um so it gives you a random game um there's also uh, the memory features on it so obviously you've got every different uh, uh memory mode so you've got 32k um 8k 16k that sort of thing so what you might need to launch your your vic 20 stuff on there so it's got got you covered on all the ram modes um what they've also done is that they've not just got just gone in and just got a load of cartridge games on there so there are a lot of games that were only ever released on tape Um, and what they've done is they've converted those over into cartridge images so they can be run from uh, the penultimate two so there's a lot of tape games that have been on there um, some disc games and then like this one here um, this is uh rod loves the the new york blitz game on the vic 20 so um huco uh, the developer of um, uh, what was it, uh, Pumpkin yeah, and all that Pumpkin. sort of thing. He's done. He's done this particular uh, version of Blitz, which is uh, uh, done for uh, Rod's th- kind of like theme. So this has got emu dropping green eggs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so the other thing is, is it's got like a file browser. So you link that up with the SD to IEC. Um, so it's got a file browser directly on the penultimate cartridge. So you don't need to go back into basic and load up the file browser. Um, 
there's uh, diagnostic utilities. Uh, oh, there's just so much in this cartridge. Um, you know, so it's not like uh, the original penultimate cartridge, you know, just had uh, those particular ROMs. It's not like that you can upgrade that one to this cartridge. This is all completely, you know, rebuilt, refreshed, new hardware. Um, and it's just crazy what, what they've been doing with this. Um, I've got a beta cartridge coming out to be in the next few days. Um, so I can do some testing on it. Um, but that was one of the reasons why I got the, the ROM burner, um, that we were, I was going to be burning some ROMs, um, when they updated it. So I didn't have to have a new version of the cartridge each time. But, um, uh, one thing that's happened is that the supply chain has eased up a bit in China and, um, this has been brought forward quite by a number of weeks uh, because we weren't expecting to have the boards quite so soon. Um, so this is why it was going to be an exclusive for us, but <laughs> it's like going hell for leather this weekend to actually get it out there. Yeah, I'm going to get one of these. Um, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I have the original so penultimate, but um, this is more. This is, this is just <laughs> next Turn level. to it's 11. It's just amazing. So uh, this has been a lot of hard work by not only Rob, but obviously Dave Curran, um, by Misfit, who's been doing all a lot of the menu programming and all that sort of stuff. And then obviously you've got Hugo and Misfit again that have been doing a lot of games for this. Um, so yeah, a lot, lot of hard work gone into this, as usual with Futures 8-Bit. No Kickstarter, nothing like that. This has all been funded by Rod. Love that. Um, getting this all going. Um, so yep. it will be there. It will be available. And That's you'll fantastic. Be, um, available to buy it. It's there. Off I want go. it. Awesome. Yep. I want So there this. we go. The penultimate plus two. Go over to the Future Was 8-Bit website. Um, have a Google. Look for that. There's a video that's just gone up on YouTube. I know he's going to be putting out a few more videos for it as well. So it's a bit more explanation and all that sort of stuff. And I'm going to be covering it on Tea Time with Tim soon. Sweet. I will forgive you that you just dropped a news item in the middle of catching up because it was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it had to be done. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know whether I could get it in for news or, but I also, I wanted to cover it as well. Cause obviously if it goes into news, unfortunately I'm not on the first episode. So I wanted to <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Perfect. <laughs> Eric, we kind of covered this one already, but did you want to touch again? We did. I just wanted to mention it one, one more time for on sure. this episode and, maybe get Tim's take on that, but if he had listened to it, oh, but yeah. on ARG presents, uh, <laughs> they covered what pixel guide and got wrong. Um, I thought what, it was hilarious. I loved it. Um, I liked that the, those guys kind of tore me a new one. Um, basically they picked two of my games, which I really thought they would spread, spread the love around to your other guys, but I must've sucked so bad. I picked two really bad games that stuck in their craw for some reason. And uh, they covered that and what we got wrong. It, it's a great episode. So go to ARG Presents. And uh, it, they don't have episode numbers, but if you go to the one that was on May 24th, um, uh, just, just look for the one. one that's got a very grumpy Aaron on the front. Of it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll just keep that one short, but go listen to it. It was fun and it was a good, good episode. I, I'm on there a little bit with some blurbs trying to defend my games. Uh, it didn't work. They they dismantled my opinions one way or another. So if we haven't, if we learned nothing else this month, Eric, it's that we're not allowed to have opinions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, quick quick update from me. I finished a Far Cry mm-hmm. Five, and it was excellent all the way through. 
It's everything. Far Cry 5. Everything Tim says it's not. Yeah, exactly. So, there's that. I, uh, man. So which one? So five was the, which one was that? Um, That's the Montana one. What's what the Montana yeah, one? The okay. Best one. Uh, I beat the best one. I did beat, I beat that one and it is delicious. It is delicious. So it's wonderful. First, what was the first Far Cry game then? It was Tropical Island, but that was it was a kind of a different game, I think, back then. That was Far Cry. Far Cry Three was on a tropical island. Well, so was um, one though. Was I it? I believe so, but I don't think I don't it was remember. quite the same game. It wasn't as free roaming. Yeah, what platform did that come out on? Oh man, that was what system? That was early stuff. Uh, Is it PlayStation or PlayStation Two? Let's, find out. Or? let's see, Far Cry. Let's see if we can get. Uh, first release nope that's far cry 6 let's see what wikipedia has to tell us that's right because i beat far cry, I, I it came out on the original xbox then by the list yeah. far cry 5 i beat and then far cry 6 i got oh, really far through it but then i just lost my energy in it but it was still a fantastic game 2004 yep i think far okay. cry 5 was my favorite of them all though all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the very first one and give that a try. Ooh, I have no idea if the first one's gonna be any good. I mean, I know it was a big hit, so it was good to some people. But yeah, yep, yep. I'll I'll get I'll give it another go just for you guys. I so so I beat three, four, five, and I haven't finished six yet. But I don't think I played Far Cry one and two. I don't think I went that far back. Yeah, I don't think they were doing the whole open world thing that we love about it. So yeah, I think it's. I think yeah. that really started with three. But who who knows? Um, <clears throat> two more quick items here. No, I'll just finish mine. I'll, Tim, I'll let you finish strong. How about that? Oh no, you've got a you've got okay. this one. I take it back. You got a decoration. Yeah, no, this, this one's re- this one's nice and simple. Really quick. Um, He's off mic again. Yep. Yeah, sorry. One of Foul. my. One one of my good friends, uh, Mark, he just sent me a message, said, oh, I was out at a market the other day and um, saw something, had to pick it up for you and just sent it in the post. So I was like, oh, I wonder what what the heck that can be. Um, So he just basically sent me this. Oh, there you go. It's a it's a Super Mario Brothers three. It's the the front cover of the game. Yeah, like tin kind of like on a. Yeah, it's like metal, tin. Yeah, metal, it's like a metal little metal plate. plate. Yeah, but it's it's really nice. Really. Sweet. Oh, I would put that up on my wall in a in yeah. a minute. Yep. So that that's going. Eric's up. actually so played that one. I have. Yes, I have. And and enjoyed it. So my last two quick updates here. First and foremost, I hopped on my Xbox uh, w- with gold membership, and I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it. Let's try Return to Monkey Island, the new Monkey Island game that came out. And I really enjoy it. Um, you know, there, there's controversy around this one because the old school people are like, the artwork doesn't look like it used to. It looks great. They can all, they can all uh, suck an egg. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what people want. I mean, yeah, I, I, again, I'm sure I'm going to get flack for this. Yeah. We're going to, cause we can't have positivity, opinions. Eric and positivity <laughs> but, Cody here. Yeah. I, I, I've seen the graphics. I don't have this game, but I've seen them and I'm like this, the graphics on this are fantastic. And why would you want the same thing from 15 or 20 years ago or whatever, how many years, ever many years it is. Why would you want the same exact graphics? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it looks great. It feels like monkey Island. It looks like monkey Island. You, Recur- re- recurring cast from the from the old days you get to see them again which you know it's fun 
uh, the, the salesman yeah. whose arms were flopping around the whole time. He's there. Yeah. He's there. He's still there. Um, so they're all there. You know, it's fun. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, there's an easy mode. Uh, but I heard even on like the difficult mode, it's not that hard of a game. But so if you're looking for a game that you want to sit there and grind your head against for eight hours to try to find, you know, the proverbial, oh, I was supposed to put the gerbil in the microwave. You know, they always talk about that on Day of the Tentacle. It's like, who would think to do that? But that's how you beat one of the puzzles, right? That right. stuff's not really here. It's kind of, it does kind of lead you more. But to me, that's perfect because mm-hmm. I was able to get through almost the entire game in about eight hours. Um, now the, what, what happened, here's the thorn in my side and it's not the game's fault. It's my fault. It's the first time the Xbox, um, auto resume feature screwed me is I left the game alone, went went upstairs, whatever. I had just put like three or four hours in that night, probably got halfway, you know, half of the game. I already did like three or four hours before did another three or four hours. I was probably, you know, I was getting near the end. In fact, I know it was near the end because I looked it up later and then, you know, press start, which brings up the the pause menu, which, you know, brings up the screen that says, you know, do you want to load a game, save a game, quit the game, whatever, right? I left it there, let it turn off. When I came back later and it popped up, my mind wasn't thinking right. And I'm like, oh, cool. Here's where I left off. Let me just load this real quick. And I loaded a save from four hours earlier and lost all my progress. So I didn't beat it. I would have beat it, but I started playing through that that, that time again. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do that same four hours all over again just to catch the last hour and a half of the game. But um, it's got like four different chapters, and I got through three of them, and it's fun and quirky. But I personally like how it leads you. It it doesn't – you don't get stuck going like, what am I supposed to do? You always kind of – you have a checklist. It says, here's the things you need to do. You know, figure out – you know, how do we get off the island? That's something on your checklist or find the, the five things this one guy was looking for. So you can always, you always know where you are. You're not just lost, which is nice. Yeah, That is nice. And then a lot of the, that, those kind of games, that's great. You, there's a hint. Yeah. And just don't, don't forget the matches, <laughs> right? There's a hint. There's all kinds of fun throwbacks to the old games. I'll stop there. It, it's great. I enjoy it. If you're looking for a, a bash the wall, original experience, you can more or less do it in this game. Um, but I, I choose to enjoy this, this, the story as it unfolds and the simple, more simple puzzles that are, that are kind of laid out in front of me so I can feel like I'm progressing. So I enjoyed that. And then the last thing I want to cover, just got this yesterday. Nothing much more to say about it because I just got it and you, you guys already have one, I believe. I know Eric does. The Amiga Mini showed up yesterday. Oh, nice! Yep. I don't. I don't have. You one. don't have one yet. I, I just said yep. I got a wild hair. I saw a bunch of new Amiga games coming out, and I'm like, man, I want to. I just want to try those games, and I don't want to try to figure out with which computer or which whatever to get it running on and pull my hair out. I wish I just had. A, you know, what? I'm just gonna go buy one. I'm just gonna buy a mini, and so I um, already updated the firmware so I can now do AD ADF files, which originally out of the box it can't. So that's key because a lot of the new games that are coming out by people are just single disc ADFs and stuff. So, anyways, getting getting to know that. Nice, excellent. Oh uh, man, I'm gonna make you a copy of my USB thumb drive that I popped in there that has that big giant like yes. Amiga image. Every game on there you can imagine. Um, it, it, it's beautiful. It's just a plug and play. Run whatever you want. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna make a copy of that for you. Done. I just ordered some more USB thumbsticks, the little tiny skinny ones that don't stick out very far. Yeah, so I have yeah. To give you one to copy it over to. Okay, sweet. That'll work. Tim, you got the last catching up item. 
Let's yeah, do it. A couple of quick things. Um, so uh, my tea time with Tim this month is all about this. Um, I finally managed to get myself a DE10 Nano, uh, which is the beating heart of the Mister System. Nice. Yep. Um, That's the core right there. That yeah, is that the, is the core. That is the one. Um, yep. So yeah, I've done a couple of upgrades on this already which is you know absolutely necessary um if you want to find out more listen to tea time with tim will do um and i will be following up on that with something else that arrived today Ooh. but i'm not saying anything about that um uh, so yep uh, that's that's going to be up and coming um and one thing that i can't remember if you guys have seen before and i don't know whether we covered it that i was just going through some of my stuff earlier today have you guys ever seen have we talked about this one the sword m5 have you seen that before no i've heard of it but i've never seen one yeah so this is a this is kind of like a japanese spectrum for the want of a better word um it's got a cartridge port um this one i've had just kicking around for years and years and years never really done anything with it um i just i just thought i'd quickly throw a that sword, in like f-w-o-r-d sword sword m5, m5. yep yep um this is one i don't know whether arg presents has covered it or not but <laughs> aaron if you're listening you need to put this one on the wheel if you've not covered it before i think they might have done i'm not entirely sure but um i don't know if you've seen the controllers for these things but it's like uh, like a silver dollar on really, a square yeah yeah, yeah. It's, they're really janky um but um yeah and uh there's a i've got tank battalion for it i've got the basic cartridge Gotta have your basic card. One cartridge. other game, which is Step Up. Step Up! Yeah, Step Up. Cool. Um, so anyway. I love it. I love uh, archaic oh, computers. One very last oh, thing. Tim's going back into his, oh. his bag of tricks. I don't know. I know you, I think, did you go out to the store and get your copy of Zelda, Eric? I did. I, I went to a Target and got it. Okay. Uh, I ordered my copies <laughs> oh, <laughs> boy. From, from Nintendo. Yeah, and the box itself is amazing because you open oh wow, it and it's got That's some neat. Zelda art. It's like right a, inside the it's box. like the box is yeah. inside out. The outside of the box is cardboard box boring looking. You open it up, it's all printed and beautiful inside. Yeah, so it's it's just like collector's item just in the box itself <laughs> that it came in. Crazy, um, and this is the collector's edition as well. So there's other bits and pieces in there, but I won't won't bore you with that. All the all the things you're like, cool, I have that, but you'll never actually touch again. Nope. <laughs> but cool, I have that. Cool, I have it. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we are sufficiently caught up, which brings us to our final segment of the evening, right after we drink another beer, because I've got one more old Milwaukee, America's non alcoholic near beer. Near beer. What is it? Point five percent. Five percent. So, like like we, what we call a shandy, <laughs> beer and la, beer and lemonade. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, this is supposed I'm to taste like beer. I'm just finishing my 805 here. I'm finishing uh, my 805, but I'm I, I'll probably sip on the coconut crap over there okay. every oh, every here and there. So I'm not <laughs> opening a new beer. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So, anyways, now we finally get to six good game. Six good game. Right, our first presenter, Tim. Can you yes. remind us what is the topic for this six good games segment? So I was thinking, what would be a good year to choose a game from? Um, 
and I was thinking, well, you could go 90s where we've got some of the console stuff and all that sort of thing coming in. Um, uh, but I was thinking, yeah, no, let's let's go back to the 80s. And I think 84 was such a good year because it was really kind of like the the first few first proper full year of the 48k spectrum uh commodore 64 was there and it was also you know kind of like the heyday years for the early arcade stuff as well so i was thinking there's a a, a rich vine of stuff that we can tap into uh, so i thought that was going to be a good year give us a give us a good um range of stuff that we can get our teeth into i Not think to mention 1984 is the dystopian social science fiction book Ray, by George Orwell. George Orwell. Yeah. I was going to say Ray Bradbury. Yeah, George Orwell. Uh, <laughs> also, I was one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was not one. <laughs> I was older. So I, w- um, I will but, start by saying just these few things. And Eric, I think you and I talked a little bit about how we came to the same conclusion here. I also thought 1984 would be a great year to choose a bunch of games from a bunch of various platforms on. Yep. Indeed. I had Indeed. I had troubles. I had troubles yep. with this one. I'll leave it at that for now. But Tim. Okay. You didn't. I didn't. No, no. I managed managed to pick a couple of games. So the first one I got in, um, and when I was started researching this one, I thought this I had this in the back of my mind. Um so this my first game is Cyclone on the ZX Spectrum by Vortex Software. Now, this is uh, kind of like one of those 3D isometric type of games. But the best way I can describe this one is Desert Strike without the Hellfire missiles. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That sounds good to me, actually. It's almost like Rain on Bungling Bay. Yeah, so so think think Desert Strike. Think of that kind of perspective, but on uh, uh, the version on the ZX Spectrum. Now... This one has got the obviously the typical sort of like nice bright ZX Spectrum color palette. So you've got the greens, the yellows, the reds, that sort of stuff. Um, the game essentially is you fly a helicopter um, and you are going around rescuing people that are um, under threat from a cyclone, basically. Um, so you've got to rescue the people from the island. Um, but the actual aim is that you've got some crates that you need to pick up. Um, and when you've got all five of those crates, you return to the base island. Um, and then you just essentially restart the game again. Um, but the thing with this is that you've got the cyclone that's always kind of like tracking your movements as in and, and close by. And because you're a helicopter or a vehicle in the air, you are going to be um, affected by those strong winds. So on the uh, HUD, as it were, on the game, on the on the game screen at the bottom right hand of the corner, you need to keep a close eye on your wind force monitor. Um, so when this gets up into the danger area, you need to either get yourself out of that particular region or if it's getting really, really uh, dangerous where you are, really windy, it will start to affect your helicopter. It will start to um, uh, move around and then you need to land as quickly as possible. Um, otherwise, you're just going to get taken out by the cyclone. Uh, so like I say, there's lots of different um, areas in the game. So you've got... Uh, a map so you press the m key on the keyboard um, and you can do that whilst whilst you're in motion and you've got to keep an eye on this map not only will this guide you to the different islands where you need to pick up the people pick up the crates but it also tells you the location of the cyclone 
Um, so it'll you get then you. Need, it'll get yeah, you. <laughs> you need to get into the opposite area to where the cyclone is. So at the moment he's over in the bottom left and the person that's playing this game is dicing with death because he's like yeah. literally right over the cyclone at the moment. Dangerous flash and red. Anywhere near this. <laughs> um, so you've, you've got to get away from the cyclone, pick off each island as you can. So you've got to be really strategic and you spend a lot of your time in the map. Um, because you can sort of like fly as you're in the map. So when you put the map on, it doesn't like pause the game. You're still flying in the, in the game when you're in the map. Um, so you've also got things like uh, a timer, an overall timer that you've got to complete each level. Unfortunately, Eric, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> you, okay. You've got your fuel limited as well. Uh, so you have to pick up fuel along the way. So how you do that is you've got... Um, uh, on some of the islands you've got like a specific landing pad which is donated by like a like a white landing area if you land on there um get down and then it will start refueling your helicopter but only certain islands have got those landing pads on it um yeah i mean that this is just an amazing game the graphics on this for the spectrum are just brilliant there's not a lot of music in it or anything like that there's some nice spot sound effects um they have cool like, specky uh, sounds like yeah i love those that's like the specky it makes me happy yeah yeah oh yeah this this game makes you happy this is i think this is one of the best spectrum games out there i've never heard of, i've never heard of this one but i will have to say as far as graphically like the colors and the fact that actually like it's not just wireframe um characters on a black background like it actually has blue water and green hills and yeah it actually looks really really good i wouldn't see this and immediately think this was a spectrum game and i mean that yeah. in a good way and i don't yeah. mean that in a negative to the spectrum way <laughs> yeah but yeah now this one is somewhat controversial Ooh. if you um look around you will actually see that some places put this game into 1985 not 1984 mm, too good too good for 84 i can reveal my copy of cyclone on the actual tape itself says copyright 1984 there you go so there we go take so that to proof. the bank and cash it <laughs> i think right. literally this game came out for the Christmas market in 1984, Crash had a review of it in 1984 in December. There some of the other some of the other magazines picked it up in 1985. So I think it's on the cusp. But I'm going by my copyright of the actual game 1984. So that's my first game, Cyclone on the ZX Spectrum. Looks awesome. Yeah, I haven't tried that. One. I, I, I haven't heard of that. I don't yet. think I've ever played that one, so I got to try it. Yeah. I'm a sucker for helicopter like top-down helicopter games love them yeah there's a there's a prequel to that which is called tll tornado low level um but it looks very similar similar type of game but that's done obviously with the tornado plane so you're flying around all the time um so you're kind of like in constant motion and avoiding planes and all that sort of stuff and i kind of think he used that game engine and then took it to the next level with cyclone which was the natural progression and i, I can just sit down and play this game for ages it's brilliant Nice one. Eric, what you got? Speaking of... So, this was the highlight of my whole <laughs> Helicopter research. games. Yep. Well, this isn't a helicopter, but... Um, oh, okay. This, um, this was the highlight of my research this past month. Um, I played this game more than any of the games I played, 
and I'm frankly surprised that I had never heard of it before. Um, but first thing I wanted to talk about was, yeah, I tried a ton of ZX Spectrum games, Commodore 64 games from 1984, and I could not find any. They all had flaws in them that were like, well, it's a decent game, but it's got this, so I don't want it. It has a timer Same. or it has whatever. I just found things that I didn't like in every game, and I played a ton of them. Do you know um, where it I played was really... It- Easy to find a bunch of good games, Eric. Yeah, I mean they were the decent arcades. games. Yeah, exactly. So I tackled <laughs> the arcade games, but I played Booty on the ZX Spectrum, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, that was going to be one of my picks. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of puzzly. So I was like, eh, it's kind of puzzly, but. And then I played uh, Alien Eight on on I think it was ZX Spectrum, and I was like, oh, it has some things I didn't really like about it. But the first game I settled on, again, this was a big winner for me, was called Two Tigers by Bali Midway. It released in arcades in 1984. Um, This game is so much fun to play. Um, You you are a plane that comes in, and you kind of have controls a bit like Time Pilot, where you die, you, 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 you pull up, and you go down, but you can circle your plane. It's kind of hard to explain unless you're playing it. Um, and you fire, you have two buttons. You can fire a, a you know, bullets or you can drop bombs. Okay. Now when the game starts, first it has multiple modes. Like there is a standard mode and then there's dog fighting mode where you can play two player game against each other. And then there's team play where you can compete together and try to, the goal is to take down a ship that, scrolls left to right on the bottom of the screen. Okay. There's a ship that goes by and it, and the game starts by telling you, Hey, you need to, you need to punch three holes in this ship and then you can move on. Um, and if you don't punch three holes in the ship and then the ship leaves, then you only get two of those ships and then the game's over. So you get unlimited lives. There are no lives in this game in the, in the core game. But if you let two ships go by without, sinking them, the game is over. Okay. So you start out with this plane that circles around. You can shoot bullets and shoot down planes. There's planes all over the screen and you shoot the planes down. And when they crash, they hit the boat and knock holes in it. So um, now the holes are there. It's not a one hit. One hit just takes a chunk out of the boat. Mm-hmm. You have to hit the same spot over and over again, and then it will spring a leak. Um, so the main kind of loop in the game here is you you shoot down planes. They crash into the boat and start creating holes. But you also have a button where you can drop a bomb, and that will create a, bowl, a, a hole in the ship. And then, um, meanwhile, there's this rectacle that goes around the screen yeah, that randomly. Thing. And it's anti-aircraft, so it's like trying to hunt you down. And if your plane flies in the rectacle and they're firing at that time, you will get shot down. And that's no big deal. You, you see a little... The problem is, is that if you're on the top of the screen, when that happens, um, you will jump... You 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 um, parachute out of the plane, but it takes a while for your dude to get to the ground. And then you start again. But that time it takes is the clock is ticking and you're not punching holes in this ship. Um, and then there's some other things like these mines will float by. And if you shoot the mine, it'll blow up and cause holes in the ship as well. Um, 
there's a bunch of little things in this game, but man, it all comes together to make a really fun game. I mean, I got pretty good at this. I was getting high scores, like 120,000 points, 150,000 points. I mean, I kept trying to beat my own high scores in this game. Um, it's a little reminiscent of a game like Time Pilot. It's a little reminiscent of a game um, like maybe maybe Asteroids a little bit, but a little more advanced. Um, I had a blast with the game. I played it over and over again. So once again, Two Tigers by Bali Midway, 1984. So this looks like a dogfighting blitz game, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. That is exactly, that's a good way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, when the ships go by and they get harder and harder, it's because they'll, you know, the superstructures on boats, like superstructures are the things that are like little mini buildings that are on top of the boat. Mm Mm-hmm the more advanced ships that come out will have more superstructures on them. So they're harder to penetrate to get the leaks that you need to make in the boat. So more like chunks the, to, to, to break through. Yeah. The boat you're seeing right now only has one superstructure on it. So you just avoid it and you drop yeah. your bombs and other pl- and enemy planes, like on the other parts. But this, the, the third ship that comes out will have four superstructures on them. So they're very difficult to actually penetrate through through the boat hard to explain but if you just take a vi- look at a youtube video or you just try to play this game on your main cabinet or or mame on your emulator um, you'll see exactly right away what i mean this game's a blast it is not easy this game is not easy no doesn't but work. i will say it's not a quarter muncher <laughs> even if you're not good at this game you will play a solid oh yeah some Eight time in minutes it. to ten minutes, and and so you get your quarters worth out of this game. So I did see you having a blast with this, so I had to load it up on my my arcade. Yeah, and it is a whole lot of fun. I was just surprised how many sprites on the screen they had in 1984. Like, Me again, too. not sure why I've never heard of this game because there's so much going on now. It is a little funky because yet yeah, my mind wants to go to the time pilot controllers because your plane goes in 360 degrees just like time pilot. But in yeah. time pilot, if you hold like up, your plane will will go to that direction. It'll go to up, and then if you press like diagonal down bottom left, it'll go to down the bottom left. In this game is just like re- left and right, right? It turns yeah. your plane either left or right, which is more standard. But my mind goes time pilot. Uh, but yeah, it's really like the sight on two D view of you know water halfway up the screen and ships go by in there. But then there's a sky. But if you fly up into the sky you'll eventually come up through the bottom of the screen which is that's right out of the water so that (laughs) blows my mind i'm like that's not right that's weird (laughs) that is weird but it is handy it's handy (laughs) yep it's what it's handy for actually hitting the mines that come down at the bottom of the screen see the little mines if you hit that mine it explodes and it'll create holes in the ship there you go we just did it so and what i'm noticing watching this replay is this one doesn't have the reticle that reticle when i was playing it was made the whole middle of the screen like impossible to get near yeah so this one they've got different types of guns and i think there's different dip switches in this game to make different and make the battleships do different things as far as anti-aircraft yeah i think i I could get right yeah so that reticle is really driving me nuts but yeah it, it was a blast had a great time with this one. I thanks for bringing it to my attention, Eric. Yeah, it's a fun one. Have how you ever you played play, this, Tim? No. How did you play this, Eric? Is there is is there a Mister Core for this one, or was it? There is. On, there yeah. there is a Mister Core for this, and I Excellent. played it on that a bit, okay. but I also played it on my main cabinet behind me here. Okay. Um. Yeah. I in fact I would leave it running all day, 
so I could just walk up to it, play a game, That's go eat dinner, best. come back yeah. to it. And and so I I played it mainly on my main cabinet, but I did play it on my Mister, and the Mister version of it is fantastic. It is super accurate. It just plays perfectly. So nice. I'm yeah. gonna have to give this one a go. It looks really good. Yeah. So it's fun. So there it is. Two tigers. Yay. All right. What's so, up, Eric? Cody, like you. What you got? Like you, Eric. Yeah. I went ahead and trying to find. I looked up lists of Commodore 64 games. I looked at my good old Nintendo. I looked at. Um, see, the tough thing is, you know, I'm used to console games, and there's yep. a crash in 1983. Sure. Which means yep. console wise, 1984 was very weak. And except for Japan, but so I went and looked at some Famicom stuff. And I was like, I want to find some of those early black box Famicom games, find some good ones. Maybe something I never played before. Maybe something that didn't even come out here. Right. And I was struggling. And of course, everything that popped up was an amazing arcade game or a port of an arcade game. And I'm not going to, I might as well cover the actual arcade game. If I'm going to pick a game from 1984, I had, a, I could have picked a hundred different arcade games from 1984 and loved them all. And I really struggled to find anything console or computer. So I think we had the same struggle. That being said, I did find one NES game that I'd never played before. And I, I enjoyed it. I, I played some time on it. A lot of people, I'm sure, have played it, especially if you're into retro games. Uh, but it is Devil World. Never heard of it. So Devil World was a game that... Um, actually, now I think about it, I'm trying to think. It, it, it was a black box game, so I believe it, it was released by Nintendo. It's a Nintendo seal of approval, Nintendo-made game. And it never came out in America. I don't think it came out in the European market either, or did it? I don't remember it. I don't remember it. But the big thing was, it's a game where Satan, (laughs) the devil... (laughs) The the devil. The devil. The the devil. Is involved, and you're... uh, I mean, honestly, it's one of these things where I think it's actually uh, it's it's very anti-devil because you are this like crusader, although yeah. you look exactly like um, Bub from Bubble Bobble for okay. some reason, not sure why. Uh, and you and you have to grab crosses and use the crosses and find uh, holy books to defeat the devil. I mean, it sounds anti-devil to me, if you ask. But Definitely. obviously. This was in the, the satanic panic early 80s, and nothing devil was flying in Western culture at this point in time. So, this game is more or less a, if you want, I, I mean, you can call it a Pac-Man clone. It's a, a maze muncher game, uh, but it's very unique, and there's a lot of different changes that make it feel completely different. So, imagine Pac-Man where there's dots to eat, and the screen is bigger than, it has to scroll around. It's bigger than just one screen, right? Yeah. The the key is two two main things. Uh, you've got Satan at the top of the screen controlling where your view on this map is, and there's some indicators. And I don't remember what they are right now, but that will help you indicate which way he is going to pull your your view. And basically, you have these these walls uh, horizontally. The arrows and at the top of the screen. Yeah. So he's there's a big box that you're in basically, and you can only move in that box. And if you're in like a corridor and one of the sides of the screen scrolls left and you get smashed against a, a column or one of these walls, you're dead. That's the main way you die. I don't think I ever got touched by a quote-unquote ghost, you know, Pac-Man ghost, even though they're not ghosts. They're like these one-eyed cyclops monk things. Um, the other thing is there's little crosses all over here, and you have to have a cross in your hand to eat the pellets for some reason. 
and the cross will run out in like 10 seconds. So you can eat pellets for like 10 seconds, but then the cross runs out. You have to go get another cross to eat pellets again. Uh, and then you're escaping, you know, bad guys and trying to get all the, all the pellets off the screen, uh, which can be really tricky because you're trying to figure out if you're going to go up, left, down, or right, and through these corridors. And is the, are the bolt, are the little uh, dots going to be there when you get to that side of the screen? And will the screen be going the right direction for you to get them without getting smashed? Um, it, it it adds a lot to it. Now there's the next level at the you know the the even number levels after one three five you know you've got two four six. It's a little different. There's no dots on the screen. Gameplay is similar, but you go around and you collect uh, basically Bibles. And there's this box in the middle of the maze that you have open these open holes for. It's like a library or something. You have to get these these books these these tombs and bring them back to. Um, to that that box in the center and plug up the holes to uh to again defeat the devil and send him back from whence he came and then you've got bonus levels like the one we have right now where there's little bibles just floating all over the place and you're just trying to collect as many as you can for bonus points so it is a point a point based game but it's very colorful the music is very nintendo and very addictive uh and it's got so many twists and changes to it it doesn't doesn't feel like anything like a pac-man game even though it's clearly based off a Pac-Man type of game. That is Devil World. Yeah. It's like like a maze runner, isn't it? I would love to get a copy of this on a, a, an actual Famicom cart. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it, it's a Famicom game, right? I mean, it is, yes. It, if it was never released here, so it's got to be just a Famicom game. And I forgot one wonder, other thing. You can if I've got it in my pile of stuff down here. That would be, <laughs> that would be cool. You can also, when you have the cross in your hand, you can also spit fire, and that's how you turn the ghost's to flashing and then that's when you can eat them <laughs> but it's it's interesting there's so much kind of wackiness going on it's simple yeah. but not simple uh, i don't know how to explain it but it, it, it was fun i had a, had a great time with it yeah, i've never it, seen this before but it looks great a lot of dynamics that you need to work out as you go along with this game isn't there it's not just as simple as oh ro- walk around eat the dots yep but you and, figure it out and, pretty quick and it becomes pretty yeah, Arcade I mean, fun. I wonder what you're supposed to be. Are you like an angel or a, like a little fish with wings? I mean, it's hard to. I mean, you look like Bub from Bubble Bobble. Kind of, but you have a little tail, like wings. a little dragon, did not it? Yeah, like a little dragon with a little tail, but you got kind of these wings. I mean, mm-hmm. Bub Bub has a tail. He's supposed to be a dragon, and Bob. Yep, and have dragons have wings. <laughs> That's true, but they're like angel wings. Anyways, okay, cool. I like it. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna try this game out. On my Famicom. I want to get a copy of it. Uh, Tim, back to you for your second pick of the evening. Yep, my second and final pick um, is I went again with Arcade. Um, I thought I was going to go Micro and Arcade. and I needed to get one from both sides of the fence. Um, So this one is a game new to me. I'd never seen this one before. I don't know about you guys. Uh, But this is Sun Sun by Capcom. Um, now this is a, what, what do you call it? A horizontal shooter platformer. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. I'll let you say, right, sorry, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about already. Yes. Um, uh, now this, uh, I didn't realize when I first powered it on and I looked at the characters in the game and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, this feels somehow familiar. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at, looking at the characters and I'm thinking, over here, we had a TV show called Monkey, um, and it was actually um, an adaption of a book um, 
that came out in China, I think it was, and it was a, a, a novel called Journey to the West. Okay. Now, in that, you had um, some characters. One of them was like this um, monkey uh, character, um, which was, I think he was born from a stone egg or something like that. Anyway, so you have you have these characters, and these characters appear in this game, essentially. Um, so... It, like I say, it's a horizontal scrolling platformer um, in which you're sort of like jumping from platform to platform. Um, you've got to collect fruit along the way. Um, you're shooting um, the the different enemies that come towards you. So there's like fish and stone guys, um, all this sort of stuff. Um, uh, so your main character is Monkey Boy. Um, and you, this is also can be done as a two player co-op game. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I never played it that way, but I'm guessing this game could be a real, real blast. So the second character that you can play is Tonton. Um, you need to collect the items along the way. Um, there are also power ups that you can get. So on, on the screen there, we're just seeing uh, you collect that and it turns all the carrot, all the enemies into carrots on this particular one. Um, but this, I'd never seen this game before, and it's just one of those simple, really addictive arcade games that you can just play over and over and over again. Um, it's really great, really cute little gra- graphics for 1984. Um, I, as it goes through, it starts to get really hard in the difficulty stakes. Um, yeah. But I, I just love this, and it's it's one that I'd never seen before personally myself. Who when made I, this? So this is Capcom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is. I could tell, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you why I knew that in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this this game is just brilliant fun. Uh, it's nice, simplistic. There's not a, not a lot to tell you about it, the actual gameplay itself because it's 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 a runner. You've got to jump from platform to platform, shooting the aliens, and then you've got sort of like boss levels at the end as you go through. Um, and it's a it's like a constant runner, so you're actually going between yeah. different markers in the game. Um, so it, it really starts plays like a horizontal shmup, kind of like you said. Yeah, earlier. I was going to say it's kind of exactly. like a horizontal shmup, but you get you just you stay on different levels as you. That's it. Yeah, you're you're platforming. Yeah. So the the waves come into you of aliens, similar to sort of thing as a as a shoot 'em up does. Um, but yeah, it's it's just just great fun. It's just a blast. This game, I really enjoyed it. Have you guys seen this one before? I have not. Yeah, I've I've seen this. Is a, I think this game was really big in Japan, and yeah. um, I think I have a few copies of this on different microcomputers, including my MSX. I think I have a, a physical copy of it. And really? I want to say Famicom I, I as well. I didn't. It, it got ported to the Famicom, but I don't think it got ported to anything else. That was that was where one, it one did. Of I'm kind of looking it up right now, just to make sure. Maybe I'm just thinking about the Famicom, and I'm thinking about a different game. But yeah, so I know I've played other, this before, and it it is a good time. But I haven't played the actual arcade. Yeah, and this this is why I hadn't really seen it before because I don't I don't. I looked it up, and I, the only one system it got ported to was the Famicom um the nes and they did a follow-up to it sun sun 2 which was actually done um by capcom but it was done for the pc engine but it was based around the black tiger style engine um so it's kind of a different style of game um i I didn't really give that one a go i was just concentrating on this one but yeah this had never got a version across onto the eight bits um and i'm quite surprised that no one's picked this one up and done a recreation of it on the 64 or on the spec 
spectrum or anything like that recently so um this could be a good one for someone to do like a one of the fan recreations or something like that i think it would be work work really well yeah so yeah i, I have the famicom version and i know where else i've played it it was on the place the the capcom classics that's it yeah on the yeah, playstation yeah. that's the other one yeah. i've played yeah but there, there was no micro ports of it I'm no you're right surprised. yeah yeah so that's that's my second game uh eric what have you got so speaking of capcom i picked a game that i had never played before and i found the history actually just as interesting as the game mm-hmm. and the history of this it is called vulgus v-u-l-g-u-s vulgus and it is a shoot 'em up it is a scrolling um, vertical shoot 'em up by Capcom. It was published by Capcom in Japan in 1984 and released in North America by SNK the same year. So, 84 all around. But this game, the game was Capcom's first video game. So, this right. must have come out before the game you had, mm-hmm. uh, Tim, because it came out in 84 as well. Yours came out in 84 as well. So, this, yep. this came out first. Um, another kind of cool history on this game is the only collectible in this game is POW, P-O-W, and it's the first time a video game ever showed POW. And in this game, you can collect, there's other collect-em-ups like the letter E and, and like alphabet letter stuff, but, um, the POW get, get, get you more bombs, um, and or missiles, I should say. Um, this is a shmup where you fire on enemies and then sometimes the formations of the enemies line up. And when they do, you can fire a missile, um, that you collect throughout the game and the missile shoots straight up through the formations and you can wipe out a whole formation and you get bonus points for that. Other than that, the game is very simple because again, it's 84 and this was Capcom's first game. Um, it literally is destroy incoming enemies and there are bosses that are larger and you can fire missiles at those to, to wrap those up pretty quickly, but you can also just hit them multiple times with your guns and it'll take them out too. Um, there's not too much. There's a lot of differing looking aliens in this game, but there isn't a lot of difference in this game, but it is fun. It is literally, if you strip away all the extra kind of, crap that has piled on to shmups over the years this kind of distills it down to the very basics of a shmup and i found it just very interesting that this was capcom's first game ever that they published um it's fairly manic yeah and it's manic and the graphics are great there's great little metallic sounds when you hit the enemies um especially the bosses because you gotta hit them multiple times so there's like that little metallic sound that you remember like in hybris on the Amiga, it's like a little Mm -hmm. metallic sound when you hit things. This has that in there, but I just love that. There were so many firsts in this game. Capcom's first, the pow symbol that you pick up and that pow shows up in almost. Yeah. I I just, a lot of games in, in Capcom's history, the pow button is in 1941, 1943, those sort of things. It was even in, um, uh, Sun Sun there was wasn't it? It well? was. That's what yep. I that I noticed. I was like, yep. "Hey, there's pe- the the pal symbol." Yep. All right. Um, very cool I, thing. I, I'm gonna have to interject. Okay, go ahead. Because I can't take it anymore, you guys. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> this is the first thing I thought of in my mind as soon as you said that at the beginning of this. The first time the pow ever showed up. Yeah. 
Uh oh. Mario Bros, the arcade game from Nintendo, 1983. Oops, I guess okay. I have to type in arcade. So this came right into my mind because this is what I think of. What is this right B-A-W, there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 1983 Mario Brothers had the big pow blocker right in the center there. Yeah, it Just does, saying. but it's not it's not a power up that you pick up. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll see how we're doing uh, here. All right, okay. I'm going to get a little technical on you. Okay. It's not a power up that you pick up. It is just a, it's a button you press to knock the to make it go turtles pow. upside down. <laughs> yeah, knock the turtles upside down. But you're right. I, you, I I thought of that too, but I wasn't sure when I was doing the research. I wasn't sure that um, that um, when this when that came out i didn't research when it came out the year but you're right i think that was 83 right but it's not a power-up so power up i digest (laughs) (laughs) but anyway volgus if you you should try it out it is actually a pretty solid and fun little shooter i didn't know that was Capcom's first game that's uh yeah interesting it doesn't look very capcom yet know what it looks like to me hmm which I'm going to bring up right now. Another Capcom game, which I really love, and Eric, I know you've grown to love as well. Gunsmoke. Oh, man, mm. I love Gunsmoke. Yeah. So Gun Gunsmoke looks like a very similar vertical scrolling shooter. When Does it say when it came out? 1985. Gun dot smoke. Yeah. Very much Gun dot smoke. Sorry. Gun So, yeah, this is only one year later they came out with Gunsmoke, which uh, I'm going to guess is... Even if the even if Volgus is good, this is a substantially better game because Gunsmoke is amazing. I would yeah, say I mean, that because I remember when we played this on the show, and you know, I, I I this was one of my favorites that of the of that whole month, like playing this game, loved it. That's that's the difference in progression, isn't it? Very much uh-huh. is eighty four to eighty five in arcade games. That is a year separation, but there was a big jump in technology. Yeah, yeah, and the the look and the feel of the games. That's it, Fulgus. All right. You know Cody had to go here. And honestly, <laughs> I wasn't even going to pick this until our show we recorded yesterday, Eric. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, games from 1984. And I'm like, well, it's got to be a video game or a pinball. And as or soon as I said right. that, I'm like, oh, there's so many that. great <laughs> pinball games from 1984. <laughs> so that's what I went with. And I picked one that a machine that I've played a ton, played a ton virtually, I've played a ton in real life, and it's a machine that I have wanted to own for a long time. I've owned this game's sequel, which is called Space Station, came out in 87, I believe. But this original game is called Space Shuttle by Williams, and it is a great pinball machine. Now, the first thing I'll say about it is, um, let's see here, let me, how are we going to get some good gameplay of it i'll just click that let's see what happens so first of all this machine i think is classically it 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 definitely doesn't look modern but it also doesn't look old it's just a classic looking um pinball machine with you know kind of blue trim and black space looking sides uh it it holds up it still looks good it still looks exciting and uh um i wouldn't say modern but i'd say current if you have this thing sitting in your room. Now, when I really wanted this game, they were going for 800 to to $1,000, um, which for pinball is very little. Yeah. Um, I, I just looked it up just to see now, because if I found one of these for that price right now, I'd, I'd find a way to buy it. 
I'd sell some things. I'd make it happen right now because I want this machine. It sounds like right now they're at like twenty two, twenty four hundred bucks now. Yeah. Um, so it's you know in the in the space of about eight years, they more than doubled. But the thing I love about this game, first and foremost, any Williams game is the sound. Williams sounds are the best, and and you'll actually recognize the sound just playing this game. If you played any Williams arcade games, Robotron games like that, you're gonna say you're gonna hear these sounds and be like, man, that sounds like Williams arcade games. The difference is the pinball machines have speaker systems built in, and they just reverberate, and they're not they're not bassy, but they have this like low mid range that just thumps you in the chest, and it just feels good. It's like these noises. I love it. It's a visceral um, experience. It is visceral, yeah. Crank that thing up. In fact, that's what we ended up doing. Uh, a lot of the guys that I played pinball with in this league that we that I was a part of for a little while, um, you'd actually put a subwoofer below each one of these, and you'd tap into it, and you'd, you'd uh, get line-level inputs and, and attach a subwoofer to each one of the pinball machines, and they'd oh, just add so much. But the what I love about this game is it's got... Uh, it's it's a simple play field. It's there's stuff on the you know lots of lights and things, but the, it's actually a very simple play field. You basically have wide open in the center. You've got two banks of they call them um, uh, shoot I'm blanking what they're called right now, but the the stand the targets that just stand still, the ones that you can hit and they don't really do anything, but they light up lights in front of them. Uh, two banks of three on each side. You've got a couple um, little uh, holes you can lock them in on the direct right and left of the playfield. Right up the middle, you've got a ramp that leads up to a big old space shuttle. So this is 84, so this is during the whole space shuttle thing, kind of after we did the moon thing, and now we're doing the space shuttle thing. Um, and then there's a ramp with a spinner. Spinners are always fun to hit because they stick, yep. and they just feel satisfying when you get a good rip on it. And then you got some pop bumpers and some some uh, rollovers in the top left. Basic pinball stuff, but the way the game plays is this is I feel like it, it's a game that's easy to learn and uh, of course difficult to master, right? But if you're experienced at pinball, this is a fun game. If you're brand new to pinball, this is a great game to learn on because you're going to start learning modern pinball because before the '80s, the '70s, you know the wood rails, and the electromechanicals. It was all about, you know, just hit a lot of stuff and don't drain the ball. Um, you might have something that, you know, hey, if you hit this this bumper, this button, then all of a sudden all the your 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 bumpers instead of being five points are worth uh, fifty, right? Everything gets multiplied by ten. It's always ten, by the way, because that was easy to do mechanically. Anyway, so you just add a zero. Right, right. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, we've got we got uh, they call it alphanumeric screens, so we've got little, you know, uh, scores up on the up on the up on the backboard here, uh, the back glass for each individual player. Um, but the rules are, are kind of modern pinball, the beginning of modern pinball. And so yeah, there's things to do like hurry ups, right? So like you'll hit a, uh, right in front of that, that space shuttle right in the middle, right? There's a target that sticks up. You hit that target and then it drops and then it has a hurry up. So it'll beep, 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 go quicker and quicker and quicker until it drops right and basically you have five seconds or so to get the ball hit perfectly up that ramp to hit, get a jackpot and add the longer it takes the more your score you know the, the bonus goes down until you do that it's a simple mechanic but it teaches you really quick hey if i hit that and that happens i want to try to get control of the ball and try to hit that shot um 
there's ball, ball locks again on the left and the right. So you lock one in the left, you lock one in the right, and then you try to hit that spaceship or the ramp on the right, and then you unlock multi-ball. Um, so you got three balls going at once, and things are flying all over the place on this on this uh, this you know this play field here. Uh, the 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 ones on the side, you when you hit them, they light up the word space uh, shuttle, and uh, you get all kinds of. There we go. I think we just got a multi-ball going here. Um, but it's easy to see all the lights in the center of the play field all just are scoring and they say exactly what they are, how to get the extra balls, how to do all these basic things that you will learn throughout pinball. And it's all laid out in a way that when you're playing, it makes a whole lot of sense. The one kind of unique thing to this game is they do have a heat shield. So like right now in multi-ball, all these balls drop out. The heat shield, there's a big um, kind of button right between your flippers which would be the out hole where your balls would go if you were to lose them, but it pops up about three inches and you can't drain down the middle. I mean, you can, if you hold your flippers open and create a gap that way, but so you're doing this multi-ball and all the balls are staying They're just going nuts for like 10 seconds until the heat shield goes back down. Um, but man, I love this game. It's fun. It's simple. I'll never get bored of it. And, uh, it's a, it's a good pinball value considering that, most other pinballs are, you know, five thousand, six thousand dollars nowadays, and this is kind of a a steal if you can enjoy the fact that it's a a classic game that still holds up. Yeah, Space that looks Shuttle. awesome. I've seen that, it before. I think that, um, like you say, it's like fair for for beginners on pinball because you haven't got a lo- a bunch of stuff in the middle that's deflecting the ball straight away as soon as you hit it. You're just basically concentrating on getting into the targets and ramps at the top and not having the distraction of all the other stuff in the middle of the playfield. It looks like the sure. strategies are pretty straightforward. They're not too yeah. complicated. Yeah. Yep. And they teach you how to hit those shots. They let you focus yeah. on that, not trying to figure out what the heck's going on in the game. Yeah. So, and of course, the back glass has this really cool light going off right now that shows like the the jet engines shooting out the back of the space shuttle. It's kind of flickering and turning red and orange. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely love it. And then the that, a fun little thing is there's a the space station is is there between the pop bumpers. So a lot of cool little plastics and stuff that give the effects of uh, kind of that era of space travel. Looks awesome. awesome. Love that game. Cool. Yeah. Good stuff. And I think that we're all done with an episode of Pixel Guide N. Wow. It's, Another it's one kid, in the books. It's almost 1 a.m. here. We're Ooh. burning the midnight oil. <laughs> this is true. And I have to get up relatively early tomorrow still. So, same here. Um, we will gather brains and figure out how we're going to put the next show together because I really won't be able to play games or do anything to that of that sort until almost the end of june so i'm gonna be cramming yeah so cool i might i might be relying heavily on the both of y'all yep um any last words for our our listeners gents nope nothing (laughs) let's go to sleep it's late let's go go to sleep (laughs) all right well then the last words we saved for the best words we save for last. It's dangerous, dangerous to, go to go alone. It's dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. 
please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guyden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>